I do think that it is just beyond perfectly apropos that one that we couldn't get this last episode done in one episode. Mm. More on that later. And two, that like the biggest problem with our scheduling when we were doing this show is that we would be recording two days before the Golden Globes, but our episodes would drop after the Golden Globes. Mm. So there was no point in doing predictions or if mm. we made predictions, it's like who even wants to listen to that mm-hmm. because it comes out after the Globes. And so I just love that it's we're true. recording this on the day of the Globes. Of and the we Globes. can't even really give commentary because... Not by, by the time w- by the time this drops, no one's gonna. Give a Congratulations shit. to <gasps> Congratulations to Golden Globe winner for best drama Joker, and congratulations to best musical or comedy, comedy or musical Jojo Rabbit. So, do you think? Oh God! So I'll try and not engage too much because, like I said, this is <laughs> irrelevant. Do Do you think it's gonna be like last year, where it's Bohemian no, Rhapsody? No, I f- I fear that because it's the HFPA. Yeah. And because but I, I, but it just, people do genuinely love those movies in the industry. But it would yeah. actually be baffling if it wasn't anything other than Irishman for drama and Once Upon a Time for comedy. Because also they are star directors. Yes. Right. And, and like, we want and, them on the stage. And star big actors yeah. in the films. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, that self-referential element yeah. isn't limited only to the Academy. Yeah. It is... I mean, HFPA, all you have to do is look at their office in West Hollywood. They yeah. love that they're there. Mm-hmm. They're in mm-hmm. Tinseltown, baby, with the vines dripping down the sides uh, of yeah. the brick. Two they steps sure do. down from the Abbey. Isn't it also two steps down from Jim Henson? No, that's on La Brea. That's La Brea. They just but look that's the also, same. That's also brick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm just getting my brick mm-hmm. buildings mixed up in Hollywood, not to get too Regis and Kelly about it. Your vine, A little Regis your vine and Kelly. Covered but buildings. we were saying... So we, but we can talk about Oscar predictions for a second. Just the, the thing that we were already talking about mm-hmm. that we think Parasite's going to win. Well, that yes, what, that's another, fun to say. Another thing I was talking to Brandon about before mm-hmm. you got here. Dreadfully hungover, Brandon. Hello, oh, poor Brandon. Uh, I Dry went on a January hike this off morning. Great <laughs> Are you actually doing that? Yeah, but the new year doesn't start till the sixth, so I'm. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. It's true. That's back to work day. Yeah. Um, I went on a hike with my actor friend this morning and she name names is in she's just uh, no she's not famous but she does know a lot of people who are in these voting bodies Mm -hmm. she told me she doesn't know one person who likes marriage story in her actor circle. Young actors? No, of all ages. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Because that movie is supposed to be tailor-made for that demographic exactly when you're talking about voting bodies. Her parents are often like the voting demographic mm-hmm. for actors. Mm-hmm. Hated it. Wow. Did she say why? Acting. Wow. Mm-hmm. They, they it is specifically acting. overacting. So I will say that I don't think Laura Dern is going to win the Golden Globe tonight. But really? by the time this drops, it'll already be done. Yeah, I think... Who would it be? I think J-Lo's J-Lo. going to win. Oh, because I mean, I think J-Lo but keep in mind the HFPA tooth two points one gave Marriage Story a lot of nominations, mm-hmm. and two they're really only trying to predict the Academy Awards here. They so rarely, when they do make a choice that is like of their own volish, it's Aaron Taylor Johnson for Nocturnal Animals. Oh, it's what a win, right? And so Shitting on that on level, porch. Laura Dern <laughs> does seem like the favorite, but mm-hmm. I think that Marriage Story has lost a lot of steam in the last month. Yeah. And while the, there is just no way the Academy does not pat one of their own on the back, both a governor and a child of Hollywood, to give her that Oscar, yeah, I don't. I think that if Laura Dern were going to miss one of the per, major precursors, and mm. quotations major because the yeah. Golden Globes are ridiculously yeah. Yeah. beside the point, I think J Lo wins this one. I also think that 
getting J-Lo up on the stage is a nice TV moment, and that might be the other thing they're concerned about. Oh, yeah, baby. Mm-hmm. Laura Dern, though, would also be a good TV moment. Also, don't forget, yes. Regina King wasn't even nominated for one of the precursors. Like, they... they for SAG, yeah. Yeah, they mattered less and mm-hmm. less. Which is yeah. thrilling. Mm-hmm. And... Although, back to what I was saying, I think Parasite's going to win Best Picture, that SAG Ensemble nomination speaks volumes. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, I didn't even know it was eligible. Do you know yeah. what nominations we get tomorrow? We what? get the Oscar We get BAFTA, DGA, <laughs> WGA, and PGA I, are what? all within the next 24 hours. I love the accelerated timeline. Though. I know. I don't uh, want to drag this out until the end of February. Know, I'm done get her done. Let's move through it. Let's go, go, go. Oh, my God. DGA, PGA, WGA, all tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If Greta gets snubbed. I will kill myself. So Greta, she probably will. Greta winning Best Director of the National Society of Film Critics was very exciting. I think yes. that that speaks to more strength than I thought it had. I think that Greta Gerwig is getting the director nomination. That's I, I still yes. don't, but I think that it could happen. And I don't think Todd Phillips is getting nominated. No. no. I don't think Taika Waititi is getting nominated. Mm-hmm. Even if Jojo- I don't think Sam Mendes is getting nominated. Um, well, that's an interesting one. He's on the cusp for 1917 me. 1917 was the big Thanksgiving breakout... And I know this has nothing to do with the accelerated timeline, but Thanksgiving to Christmas just flew by in terms mm-hmm. of entertainment news this year. And 1917, which some people, I haven't seen it yet, but some people really love, and I imagine people in the Academy really admire it for its air quotes, one shot film. Even though it's element. not. Right. craft. And I can see them wanting to reward Sam Mendes for that as much as they want to reward Deacons for it. So, mm-hmm. and it's a war picture. It just, it's, 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 this seems like, cat, it's, cat it's like the darkest older. hour thing that exactly. no one thought darkest hour was going to get the Oscar noms. It did. They got they it did. Darkest hour, best picture nominee, darkest hour and director. It, I, no, didn't is it? that right? I swear is that Joe, Joe Wright, Wright did. Let's double check because I, I thought he did. You but might it, be right. It could have just Joe? been picture, Ew. but it got like six nominations. Yeah. But 1917 is just tailor made for the older brand. Did it make money? I don't know. 1917? I don't know either. I, my, I was asking my sister. Oh, who's Joe Wright has never been nominated for an Academy Award himself. Nice. Joe Wright erasure. Mm-hmm. He should have been nominated for Atonement. Yes. What was the the, the, the one Schnabel, of the five? The right? Butterfly. Yeah, nominated for six Academy Awards. So do we think that... Darkest Hour. So let's say that Parasite doesn't win Best Picture. Is it The Irishman or is it Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? I have no Irishman. idea. I don't know either. Irishman is... Statelier. That's my. But but it's also our, but Scorsese got his Academy Award. Does thirteen Tarantino, years ago? Does fourteen Tarantino years ago, have his. Well, no. he has two in screenwriting. In screenwriting, but he's never won picture or director. Right. So I think they might be like, it's time. I don't know. I mean, does don't. that narrative ever mean Tarantino, anything? That it's time narrative. Tarantino is an Oscar favorite who has done a very good job of running a career like an outsider. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like. Every single one of his pictures since Inglorious Bastards has gotten at least one nomination. Yeah. Django and Inglorious Bastards got Best Picture nomination. Basically, everything but the Hateful Eight post Inglorious Bastards will have got a Best Picture nomination. Right. So he actually is, you know, he's not a member of the WGA. So it's this idea of this renegade cowboy, but he's very much in the club. Yeah. yeah. And I think that voters are cognizant of the lack of a directing or picture Maybe. tip of the hat type what thing. What I think, though, is like people do with politics is the the narrative of oh well they haven't won yet is only 
something to talk about at parties. Mm. And then when the ballot's in front of them, they vote who they think did the best job. Right. I don't know that most people feel like Scorsese did do the best job. I do think Even that. though we will definitely be talking about why he did do the best job mm-hmm. as we go on here. Yeah, like I actually have no idea if Academy of Voters... I know they like Once Upon a Time, but I don't know if they like... Do they like Irishmen? Mm-hmm. So my, they do. My they don't only, think it's too long and they're tired. My mm-hmm. only like indis- quote-unquote industry exposure to the Irishman is that I was at the screening at AFI Fest, which was a special like conversation with Martin Scorsese, blah, 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 at the Chinese theater and the, like, the big one, the IMAX. And afterwards, just all of these folks who look like they either are mid-level executives at studios mm-hmm. or are lifelong gaffers, like pe- yeah. people who probably are not in the Academy but have friends in the Academy, or it's just a face I obviously wouldn't know when they yeah. are. They loved the film. Well, this is them just milling about in the lobby afterwards, but it did sound very perfunctory in the way that they were trying to, it's kind of searching for their words. They're like, mm. it was just so, oh, it was just so great. Scorsese, mm. he's just... He's such a master. And, yeah. and it's just like, mm. I, so my, my point is, is I didn't feel the passion. I felt the respect. Mm. This which, is completely which, anecdotal. Yeah. Which I think people would vote on respect. But Ben's point is that when you're filling out your ballot or making your votes you privately, you go with passion. Mm. Like how many people last year do you think talked up Glenn Close and then voted for Olivia Coleman? Probably a good number. Right. Well, right. Mm-hmm. And I also think we were talking about before getting on mic, another thing that Parasite has going for it is people get to pat themselves on the back for being very cool going with the yes. mm-hmm. the South Korean film the with the bunch of actors they don't know yeah. with a searing skating class message mm-hmm. with Glenn Close and Olivia Coleman. Of course, when you're at these parties, you're just going to say, oh, thank God Glenn's finally going to get one. Wasn't she amazing in that terrible, terrible movie? Yeah. But then when by yourself, you're like... That Olivia Coleman though, yeah. how how subversive, mm-hmm. how hilarious and sad. Yeah, I'm going. Like, yeah. she's not going to win, but she. If, it's that I want it's, it on my oh, tombstone. Well, I voted it. for Olivia yes. Coleman. Oh, it's yeah. interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's a lot of it. Uh, and to the point of the the narrative of isn't it their time? Mm-hmm. I have heard more than doesn't Quentin deserve best director or picture? I've heard more is. Oh, Scorsese is the greatest filmmaker of all time. Doesn't he deserve another? Yeah, and The Departed, I think, Interesting. is... I mean, yeah. The Departed is like a four-and-a-half-star film for me. Mm-hmm. I I love it. it I is, don't get the hate of it. I other than it is well, just... Wait, there's hate about... There is. There's well, hate about aside everything. from The Rat. There's I know hate there's rat that's, hate. That was the dumbest piece of discourse two years ago about yeah. The Rat and The Departed. How, that movie I love is, The Departed, That movie is just too. deliciously broad throughout. Mm-hmm. If, if the CGI oh. rat is your problem, but you were... Like, how are you on board up to The Rat, the it's, final shot? I, th- I just and then give threw up on, on Jack Nicholson the, pushes a young sex worker into a pile of cocaine, cocaine. and says, don't stop breathing until you can't move. <laughs> like, yeah, like this is not... <laughs> and isn't, isn't that preceded by him at the opera? <laughs> Maybe yes, uh, uh, like Age of Innocence, like you know, on the on the balcony there. I um, I, mean, I think it is that broadness that is what people hate about it, which I, I think that. is I again delicious. It. You read it as a comedy, which I it's do. hilarious. Oh, yeah, you should read it as a comedy. It is a comedy. Yeah. Do people? Well, I mean, it's some people, but are but, stupid. But The Departed, <laughs> it really goes to show what a body of work Scorsese has when that film maybe doesn't feel like lesser Scorsese, yeah. but not the 
top shelf. It's probably, I think it's like low teens in my Scorsese ranking. The Irishman is top shelf. And to be completely frank, as much as I loved Silence, it was a bit of a slog for some people. Mm -hmm. Hugo, I love, but it also doesn't totally work, to be honest, even Mm -hmm. though it's a film that I think is near perfect. Very good. Um, The Irishman is the first Scorsese film since The Departed where it's just sort of undeniable in what it achieves for everybody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Silence was a masterpiece. I was shocked that The Irishman was like getting all of the awards, nominations, and just like generally beloved because he is so taken for granted. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, this is the one. We've all, we're all on yeah, it. We're doing, we're it doing this Yeah, one. putting it in that perspective, that makes sense. Like he does need another one. Yeah. He, like if The Departed is going to be his Academy Award, he needs another yeah. one. The, the elusive... Two-time Best Director award winner. You were Club. saying that Inyari too deserves two. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Scorsese, right? Yeah, that's if Inyari too can a little win obscene. two back to back, back the first back to back winner since Joseph L. Mankiewicz. Mm-hmm. Oh my! God. And Scorsese has only won the one. Yeah, the one. I, yeah. Do, I also would love it if it was The Irishman because I know I just said that the movie is extremely palatable. It seems, but I also think it's more difficult than silence in ways mm-hmm. in that sort of trite. I mean, in the same way as like uh, the old line about how the age of innocence is, uh, it's depictions of violence are far more scathing and upsetting uh-huh. than taxi driver. Mm-hmm. I think the Irishman is even more punishing than silence. It is, 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 uh, the departed is my number 20 Scorsese film. Which everyone, one? the departed. And it still deserved the best picture. Pulling up my ranking is, is the Netflix backlash still a thing. I do that think that I do think that but, will play into but it. I think that that we, will hurt the Irish I think chances. we talked about this this time last or basically this time last year about Green Book where Green Book didn't win best picture I mean Green Book won best picture for a multitude of reasons but only on the Netflix question the Green Book over Roma aspect mm-hmm. was it a sort of inherent anti-Netflix bias in the academy or was it people like Steven Spielberg, who carry an enormous around amount of influence yeah. and, frankly, a big stick, telling people a vote for Green Book, which is the best buddy picture I've seen since Butch Cassidy yeah. and the Sundance Kid. A vote for Green Book is a vote for theatrical distribution mm-hmm. and the theatrical experience. So and he's not going to do that. He's not. Scorsese. He and Marty are such good friends. Yeah. Like that is, I think, the piece. But Netflix also changed their model this year. They did. So I don't think that argument is valid anymore. Yeah, they play. They do play a month in theaters. The Academy, if you live, demanded on bus, right. you play four weeks exclusively in theaters, and Netflix did it. I think it's a fair trade. Mm-hmm. I got to see Marriage Story, Atlantics, mm-hmm. The Irishman, and I think those are the it's only Netflix movies on my list. I saw them theaters. all in theaters. I did too. And I'm and excited then you get to, to go home and, and watch, watch them it again. again. Yeah. Exactly. How nice. Yeah. I did not watch Marriage Story a second time at home, but only because we saw it a second time in theaters to yeah. see Laura Dern speak. Love that. But I have watched Irishman Zendaya at home is again. But I, I have not yet watched Atlantics at home, but I would like to. I would like to watch it again at home. I would like to see it. The movie... Okay, so how about a quick question and then we dive into the the list. What's the one movie that you maybe didn't love this year, but you liked a lot, and you're most anxious to see it again, either in a theater or at home, and you're hoping for a different experience the second time around? You ready? May I? Yeah. Well, yesterday. So we recorded yesterday, and I we were talking. You were talking two about days ago. Whatever. Two days it ago. It feels like it feels, feels like just like yesterday. It feels like it was two hours ago today. Ash is purest white. Mm-hmm. I saw it late at night in April. I was tired, and I know I really liked it. I rewatched it. 
Oh, you did? I rewatched it yesterday. <gasps> oh, my God. Yesterday? Would no. you like to amend your comments? And um, it's on Canopy. Mm-hmm. And... Five star and a heart. Uh, it probably if, and a heart. if if I had five rewatched it before sooner, it would have flown up my list. Interesting. Oops. So mine, that's my yeah. my answer. answer, as we discussed last time, is the souvenir. But it's also Atlantics because I kind of don't understand the. It's the number four film of the year on reverse shot. Right. Like, like I think it is a very good movie, but right. the like the the absolute adoration of it is a little bit beyond me. Yeah. One thing I didn't talk about when we were talking about Atlantis yesterday was the combination of its politics and its environment, mm-hmm. like and its portrait of patriarchy and how that becomes suffused with a more like a visual language where a, a female character may or may not have the opportunity to extend beyond the bounds of the frame mm. when she's in pro- when she's proximal to her, you know, colonialist fiance or yeah. whatever. Like the film is so packed with ideas that are so directly infused to its sublime, sublime aesthetic. Just as a feat of filmmaking, especially as a debut feature filmmaker, I, it's just I fi- it's sort of like a ladybird moment for me where yeah. I find it to be so crystalline that it probably frankly bumps up one or two places because I'm so impressed this is from a debut feature filmmaker just an aesthetic that is fully baked right out of the oven yeah and uh, that's a bad metaphor but um and that it it is also challenging it's not just perfect it's challenging Mm -hmm. it's forward thinking Mm -hmm. it's elliptical it's difficult but ultimately extremely rewarding something I think about with my my personal perception to Atlantics in particular is that I, I think I am particularly vulnerable to projection quality mm-hmm. and God love the Los Feliz three, <laughs> which is the only oh, no. place it played in LA in a theater. But mm-hmm. like, I think if I had seen it at the landmark, which is the other place that Netflix movies play, I think I would have felt a little more strongly about I it. I saw Hugo at the Los Feliz 3 with a friend who has amblyopia, which mm. means that he can't see 3D. He can't do 3D movies. Okay. It doesn't, his eye will not align the image into 3D. That's crazy. But the screen was still so dark at the uh-huh. Los Feliz 3. You know how 3D movies are generally a shade yeah. too dark? Yeah. I thought for a second we were watching the wrong DCB. <laughs> oh no. Whoops. Yeah. Yeah. It, that worked for Green what Room though. That it was a little dark. Is that where you saw it? <laughs> I saw Green Room at the Los Feliz 3 too. Oh. oh, I thought you said Green Book. No, I didn't see Green Book in theaters. That's right. You watched the the I screener that I have a photo of me affectionately <laughs> holding yes! Brandon's screener. I'm, I poured myself a Beautiful shot of whiskey moment. and opened a beer, mm. sat down, took the shot. Uh, Let's go. Going Green Book. I my asked my event. mom if she watched Dead to Me over Christmas when I was home. She was like, yes, I loved it. And it has the woman from Green Book in it. Linda that's, Cardellini? That's what Vicky said. It has the woman from Green Book in if it. We're gonna, if we're going to refer to Linda Cardellini as anything, let's think about her signature role when she was a younger woman, sort of turn of the century. Mm-hmm. In of course, Meets World. Uh, I was actually going to say Scooby-Doo as Velma. Oh, mm-hmm. that's right. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! An iconic moment in film history. Have you guys seen the trailer? Okay, quickly. My my answer is Portrait of a Lady on Fire. <laughs> um, oh yeah, I think I might like that more if I watch it again. I'll explain this quickly because I want to get back to Scooby Doo seriously, and this is an important thing to discuss on the last ever episode of the podcast. Ugh. It's Portrait of a Lady on Fire Scooby-Doo. because I saw it in an, a packed audience of just salivating cinephiles, Ehrlich acolytes, oh. people who were ready to have that mostly straight. Did you see it at AFI? Saw it at AFI. Mostly straight male. I mean, I don't know if they were straight. They seemed straight male audience. Mm-hmm. 
and they were ready to love it no matter what. Yeah. And as a result, okay. every moment I could not sort of revel in the in the inwardly incendiary moments of that film. I couldn't watch that fire burn because I was so distracted by the people around me like nudging their neighbors and being like, oh my God. Oh my god. Ew, seriously? It felt performative to me. Sure. But I'm not saying it was. I'm saying it felt like it yeah. to me and it was distracting. Yeah. And that movie is so intimate. In the beginning of the film, I was completely Bad audiences are I was so annoying. completely invested in the beginning. Like when she arrives in the boat, when she has a little cheese in the fire that amazing mm. silhouette of her by the fire. Cheese she looks and like wine. she's made of marble. It, it and then as the those moments that people didn't read about ahead of time. They were perfectly silent and I could get into the interiority of that film. Mm. But it, it, the audience prevented me from investing and I want to watch it at home alone with a bottle of red wine yeah. and I want to cry. That's another one I, I would love to revisit. I loved it. It's weird because we, when we walked out of it, Ben, I remember like not knowing what I thought, but then like five minutes later, I was like, no, I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> and I would, I would give it a three and a half at this point. Like, I think it's a very strong movie. But I think I don't like the painter actress. Really? So I also have that issue. I think that that is just a barrier for me. And Adele is so good. Yeah, she's incredible. Like, Adele like is truly, on my ballot. Yeah. so good. When is she not good? I, it's true. And then uh, I just don't think I like the painter. Thank you for saying actress. that because I kind of feel the same way. Really? And I really think that if I'm watching it alone, I'll be able to give her even. I'll be able to give that her the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, I think so too. Because I, like I said, I think she's incredible. I think that actress is incredible in the first ten minutes of the film. Mm. Oh my God! And it doesn't actually come out until February. That's so right. We, so yeah. we all will get to all see that. Valentine's all Day. there has been is an, an Academy qualifying run. Okay, back to Scooby Doo, and then I'll let you oh, yeah. the show. That's kind of crazy that like the movie hasn't come out. Yo, yeah. Like, so if people are going based off release date, like technically this is a 2020. Film. No, because people always do like foreign movies that have just the uh, the Academy qualifying mm-hmm. run oh. in the year. Well, oh, and Portrait true. of a Lady on Fire is playing at the ArcLight Q and A with Celine Sciamma and Adele Hanel on Wednesday. The oh. tickets are twenty dollars. Ew. Um, Ben's right. That that's why it's that's why it's playing this mm-hmm. way. But it feels odd for even though it didn't make is... the foreign film, the international film, right? Shortlist, but it, I mean, it's it still didn't, it wasn't the. It the can submission. still get nominated for cinematography yeah. or costumes, and it's been cleaning up with cinematography. Exactly, circle exactly. Uh, what's odd though, or why I think it feels incongruous, Brandon, is because we are used to this happening with something like Cornelia Porumboya's The Whistlers. Like a movie like that, that yes, has played festivals, has people like it, mm-hmm. but it's not a movie that you think is going to break into any other category. That you expect to play one weekend at the Lemley. Right. This is one of the most celebrated films of the year, and for it to be laid out in this piecemeal and way, like weird. could have gotten a screenplay nomination, mm-hmm. could get cinematography. Yeah. I don't think a screenplay nomination is going to happen at this point. But no, like would have been in the running. The other piece of it is that Neon obviously has all their chips on Parasite right now. Right. Yes. If I were Neon, I would not have picked up both out of can. But maybe this strat, maybe this long strategy will work. The long game will work. Here. Yeah, yeah. But I think that's curious because those were the two most celebrated films out of can, and it's sort of like the Moonlight year with A twenty four. They also had Twentieth Century Women, which is on mm. Moonlight and Twentieth Century Women are both on my best of the decade list. But they knew they had a best picture potential best picture winner, so they put yeah. all the money to Moonlight and it paid off. But a film like 20th Century Women, which Annette's gonna get an Oscar nomination this year. Do you year. think she's gonna get out? Have she's, you watched the report? No, she's getting I, it. I, every time I'm like, I should sit down and watch a movie, like the thought comes, I, think I will watch the I, report, but then so I don't do it. I really at, liked the movie. 
After mm-hmm. I watched you, you, yeah, you're yeah. a fan. After I watched it, I thought she's gonna get the nomination, which I is think wild to me. It's she's they, not even on my ten list. Just love an impression. Yes, that's really what. No, it's it's this, it'll and be the Sam Rockwell and Vice mm-hmm. nomination. And she's kicking off. She would kick off Nicole, the other impression. Yes, it's crazy. So that's, have you you that's both the fine, seen Bombshell? That's mm-hmm. the Feinberg forecast. I rage posted about Bombshell. Mm-hmm. And I was surprised that anyone liked it. It was very funny because it was a little insane. What did you say? The the the, the anti the 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 women's anti abolitionist temperance league, something like that, on my letterbox log. Let me pull that up. <laughs> it was a good log. God, I had a big laugh about that. Uh, but my Facebook post was: "It's a movie that dares to ask, just how can I focus on being a war criminal?" propaganda minister with all this <laughs> harassment going to me oh i saw that status to me bombshell is literally like if you made a movie about how joseph goebbels got beat <laughs> as a child like okay i'm sorry Wait, did they attempt to psychoanalyze roger ailes no but it asks us to psychoanalyze these women that's who true. are just as bad to no me. oh absolutely that's no, a- absolutely thing. but the fr- yes of course of course of course um oh i can't wait to see the humanizing of megan kelly uh, a public access PSA made by the 1840s Baltimore local women's anti-abolitionist temperance league. Ah, that is so good. I just thought, how many words can I fit in here? It's a good joke. <laughs> it's, a, it's a fine joke. It's a great joke. Uh, should we get into it? Yeah, I'll leave the Scooby-Doo thing for mm. our next episode, oh, which will never happen. No, it. we need Scooby-Doo. All I'll say is, have you guys... So I, when I saw Cats the other day... Mm. Which was a beautifully communal experience. It honestly... Ben did not see it. Because it is what? An abomination. Keep going. The eyes of God. Yes. Oh, it's not of God. It's not, not of, of God. God. It is not of God. Well, then, having seen the film, I am here to confirm that it is not of God. It, it is, is also not of God. Cats <laughs> is funny to me because, like, obviously, it's a toxic cultural property, and it's. I mean, I have an affection for it because I grew up with it and I had the VHS, and so it's mm. like, sorry, you can't take that away from me. Yeah. But I'm not gonna stand that it's one of the great musicals. Sweet. But the, Ben, the thing is, there's these takes out there about how. Like, well, what did you expect with a Cats movie? Yeah, It's sure. like, I expected loud, booming orchestra mm. and dancers who could also sing at the same time. And like, and also, I expected wide shots. I expected camera, like in The Last Jedi, when it sweeps down the bridge mm. and, every, and all, the, all the bad people are like turning and like, engines on the main line. Like, a camera that is dancing with the actors. Like, yeah. none, none of that. Ben, the orchestra is so tinny. It sounds like it's from playing from four miles away. Yeah. And he did his little singing live experiment, Tom Hooper, which yeah. I cannot think of a worse. Like, Les Mis, I understand every line is sung. Mm-hmm. So are you going to really dub the entire movie? Cats is also almost completely sung. So are you going to dub the whole movie? Sure. But Les Mis has no dancing in it, and Cats is yeah. supposed to be an extravaganza of song and dance. Yeah. And so it's not even satisfying as a bad music. I mean, as a musical at yeah. all. It's a failed adaptation of Tom a Hooper failed musical. Tom Hooper barely has like a grasp on a non-musical movie. Yes. <laughs> and like how to make it. Well, I, I was talking about The Danish Girl yesterday, which is maybe my worst movie of the decade. Oh. That's that's a good That's pick. a good one. That's maybe my worst movie of the decade. Transness to Tom Hooper has more to do with fabric than the human soul. Right. In a way that is humiliating. Yeah. <laughs> it is a, it's an abomination. Uh, and speaking of abominations, when I went to go see Cats, there was a trailer beforehand for a Scooby-Doo origin film. Have we seen this? Oh, really? Oh, yes. Scoob. It's called Scoob. <gasps> 
Scoob! And, and little Scooby is a little uh, puppy. Does it look good or bad? Terrible. Okay. Can't so wait. It, yeah, it, 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 Scoob. It, it's Scooby-Doo Origins. It's when Shaggy rescues Scooby and the mean beach cop comes up and says, is this your dog? And Shaggy's like, well, of course he is. <laughs> like, what's his name then? He's like, uh, Scooby? Who's uh, playing Shaggy? Doobie? Do? <laughs> like, it is horseshit. It's like is it Timothy Chalamet it's, as Shaggy. That would work. That would be that would incredible. Work. I love it's animated. Oh. It's animated. I love giving stupid movies like Scoob. St- stupid properties origin stories. Like the new Ghostbusters trailer is the fucking funniest shit I, I have ever seen in my seen entire it. life. I saw the trailer ahead of one of the movies I saw at Christmas, and I realized halfway through, holy shit, this is the Ghostbusters trailer, and I like wanted to scream. It's like that tweet someone tweeted. Um, it, oh god, what was it? Like someone opens a trunk in the basement. And it's like there's a ruffled shirt. And he's like, who is this? <laughs> Austin, Austin Powers reborn. Uh, <laughs> it's like that we're, we're giving origin stories to the stupidest. That's why I bring it up. I think that this might be one of Jay the... Jay Roach's best film. Austin <laughs> Powers. Yes. True. Yeah, but, and it's uh, it's like with uh, with McKay, too. Like, I think that the, the broader comedies are better than the yeah. socially relevant political reenactments. That's one of the worst one of the worst stains of this decade and just of the new millennium is the idea that we need to explain every little detail Mm -hmm. that never needed to be Mm -hmm. like the prequels, I guess started this, but at least Mm. that was the work of a mad genius. Yeah. And then wicked does it on Broadway, but at least that's a Sondheim musical. But now we have just, it's not Sondheim. It's even Schwartz. It's it's Schwartz. Okay. That's embarrassing. But anyway, it's, I think wicked is good is my point. Yes. Um, I think I always thought it was Sondheim because there's this thing with the, they do do that. Yeah. Uh, and now we've reached the extension of it where we're doing Scooby-Doo origin tales. Yep. It's a sad state of affairs. What will be next? Austin Powers. Austin, Austin Powers, Powers reborn. Uh, something's gotta give. <laughs> Origins. <laughs> this one. The, <laughs> the teen years. Jack Nicholson starting as a rap label. It'll be Will Poulter as oh. Jack Nicholson. And Florence Pugh is dying. Uh, oh no. Okay, shut up. <laughs> anyway, so on the note of Scooby Doo Origins, welcome mm. to the last ever installment of Movies IMO. <gasps> we are your three fave film fags. Welcome back to the list. This was an accident. We're, this episode is not supposed to be happening, <laughs> but here we are. We are doing a list. We're doing a list. And I, I, I'm going to recap. 20 through 11 after we all introduce ourselves. Oh, but great. my name's Daniel Crook. Brandon Kirby. I'm Ben Empey. We're here to talk about pictures. Motion pictures, to be more what specific. What a picture. Ah, what a picture. Are you doing Al Pacino? And, yeah. Mm, what a picture. Solidarity. I pour myself a cognac. Pour myself a cognac. <laughs> on 60 millimeter. <laughs> and I threw on the fifth, the f- 14 fifths of McCluskey. <laughs> and 16 millimeter. <laughs> 35 millimeter. I gotta rewatch this movie. It is, it I is did better it. on second watch. I, I've seen it twice, but I it would like to see it on a third. Fourth watch. Everything I'm rewatching this year, I am sobbing at. Mm. Sobbed during Parasite, sobbed during Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I cried, yeah. Yeah. So I, I wept watched, during Sully. I watched. Because <laughs> Laura Linney couldn't get out uh, of the kitchen. I watched Parasite w- with my parents and. 
they're like, oh, have you seen this? I'm like, this is my fourth time. <laughs> and then I show them. I've once, seen the picture once, four times. Hold once, up three once upon a time in Hollywood, they're like, have you seen this before? This is my fourth time. <laughs> and how many times have you seen Little Women? Thrice. So we're waiting on the fourth. The fourth happens next week at the mm. new Bev. Mm. We'll see you all there. See you there. See you so there. we are here to discuss our collective, our moneyballed list of the twenty best films of the year, mm. an aggregate of our three lists. If you weren't listening to, I the first love an two aggregate. And a half hours. So do I. I've always preferred Metacritic over Rotten Tomatoes. Same. Always. Yeah. I, do, I stand an aggregator, but mm-hmm. I don't stand Instagram aggregate. I don't stand oh. tweet stealers. Oh, yeah. Yes. Not that kind of aggregator. No. Those are bad aggregates. So our list oh, in oh. aggregate, I'm going to read 20 through 11, and then we're going to do our top 10 movies of the year. And there's an episode where we discuss them. If I don't... Did you say that? I missed that. And for some <laughs> of these... Uh, oh, oh, our last episode, we talked about these, and for some of these films, we have episodes mm-hmm. about them. So number... Scroll tw- through our back catalog. <laughs> yeah. All right. So number 20 is Todd Haynes' Dark Waters. Number 19 is The Softy Brothers' Uncut Gems. 18 is Zhe Zhangke's Ashes Purest White. 17 is Christian Petzold's Transit. 16 is Olivia Wilde's Booksmart. 15 is Terrence Malick's A Hidden Life. 14 is Noah Baumbach's Marriage Story. 13 is Mati Diop's Atlantics. And a tie for 11th place, we have Jean-Luc Godard's The Image Book and Joanna Hogg's Hogwild Masterpiece, mm. The Souvenir. Hogwild. Hog we are wild. truly an auteurist podcast through and through. I mean, honestly, though, this list is so auteur heavy. It is. Is that a problem? No. no. It's not for me. I'm just, I, that's one, one, I was thinking about this because Scorsese was talking about auteurism mm. and sort of an aside in an interview and was talking about how it's auteurism has sort of gone out of, like, out of chic. It's, mm-hmm. it's no longer necessarily the prevailing it it bothers me so much when people insinuate that an auteur is a writer director it mm-hmm. bothers me so much it's just a director look at people. dark waters stop look at dark waters stop it if you are a critic who listens to this and you have ever insinuated that an auteur has to have written the picture mm-hmm. that is beyond reprehensible and yep. I you belong in the hay when it comes to writing and directing <laughs> Jellicle directors can oh. but Jellicle writers don't necessarily have to mm-hmm. Jellicle directors don't necessarily have to god damn it the point is that they wrote the picture with images thank you correct it's a visual medium we're in a visual medium and as Lucrecia Martel would say not only is it also an aural medium but Joker is the best film of the year ah uh. oh we love to see it. Lucrecia, why? Coming up on this list? <laughs> oh, stay tuned. Perhaps. Is Fofo oh. Faggot making an appearance? <laughs> <laughs> why the fuck is Doolittle up on your computer <laughs> screen? It's the IMDb page. Doolittle. Ra- Every time I see a poster for Doolittle, I want to drive into okay. it with my car. The funniest <laughs> moment in any trailer this last year is in Doolittle. By the way, Mike, all the Cats no. trailers were either retreads, repeats, sequels, reboots, except... Oh, oh absolutely. Except for... Um, ah, no, I can't remember. But, uh, but, uh, the Aeronauts? No, th- no, they did not play the Aeronauts trailer. But the funniest... I'm mo- an aeronaut, They sir. played Doolittle before Cats, and I'd seen the trailer Take once before. Take us to the sky. We are high I up do believe a woman doesn't belong in the clouds. <laughs> well, sir, it seems your head is in the clouds. Because I'm getting on that balloon, and I'm going to fly to the sky. <laughs> no woman can command a hot air balloon. 
Well, sir, that you sounds ha- like a load of hot air coming out of your mouth. <laughs> You've never seen me command a balloon to the skies, have you? Get fetch me my rope. Blo- Cynthia, blow up the balloon. <laughs> Cynthia. <laughs> Why Bernard? <laughs> Bernard and Cynthia, the aeronauts. <laughs> We're higher than we've ever been. Uh, I can really feel this laugh in my obliques. I worked out yesterday. <laughs> it's painful. It's beautiful up here, isn't it? <laughs> You're telling me, a woman who understands figure and dresses, that a hot air balloon made out of the same fabric as this very miniskirt I'm wearing right, this petticoat I'm wearing right now. Are you? Are you? Are you? Are you? It's a petticoat. I said. It's shame. Are you? Are you telling me, sir, that a woman doesn't understand a petticoat in the sky? A petticoat on the ground is a petticoat in the sky. I do. I do believe it's a woman's job to tell a man what a petticoat does with a little hot air floating in underneath. Have you ever stood on a sewer grate, sir? Get this woman out of my sight! (laughs) It's not of God. <laughs> Women don't belong in the air. <laughs> well, sir. So our number ten film is if the Aeronauts. <laughs> <laughs> what Eddie Redmayne does with his face mm. as Bernard in the Aeronauts <laughs> is nothing short of awe-inspiring. Extraordinary. Mm. This that there, the other Eddie Redmayne film is probably my worst <gasps> film of the decade. Fantastic oh, Beats. No. Oh, the Theory of Everything. The Theory of Everything. I absolutely Fantastic Beasts. loathe that film. Sir, are you telling me that because my husband can't walk, that he can't walk circles around you intellectually <laughs> all day? Is that what you're telling me, sir? I love that they re-teamed up oh, yeah. to get into a I balloon. That was what, what everyone, the team up of the century, <laughs> what everyone's been waiting for, the re- oh, that the reunion. people have been clamoring. I've been oh, clamoring yes. for the reunion who in the sky. Who directed the aeronauts? Tom Harper, not Hooper, <laughs> who is allegedly not Tom Hooper in a Tom wig. Har- Tom Harper. <laughs> Wait Tom. a wait a minute. Wait a minute. We haven't we haven't dis- Tom Tom Harper is like bizarro Tom Hooper. Yes. <laughs> okay. Um And it's his first movie? I don't understand who he is that he got into this position <laughs> to make the aeronauts. He's a balloonist himself. Oh no, he he filmmaker, ex trampolinist. <laughs> That's ba- why balloon enthusiast. He's an acrobatist. Balloon yep. enthusiast. This is his Twitter. Okay, I did we recommend. Ha- we haven't to talked about the most insane thing about the aeronauts is that okay. the female Felicity Jones character is made up. Is not real. <laughs> is made it up. Was two men. <laughs> it was two men piloting that balloon. I love in the commercial when Eddie Redmayne is like, "To be able to predict the weather could save lives. We're going to save lives without a woman's touch, sir. Mm. I don't think you'll be predicting much of anything." <laughs> <laughs> oh my god as, as she takes her finger out of her mouth and holds it up uh. to the wind it takes a woman's touch <laughs> <laughs> this male hot air balloonist erasure it will not stand I cannot believe you wrote the aeronauts stand <laughs> well, honestly it you made should a write movie. this movie that, you're, that you've been <laughs> screaming about for days weeks all of the quotes uh, mm. All right. Anyway, arrow not <laughs> on, on the list. list. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, this is good, good, hearty gay fun. I have to say. Is. 
pounding headache. So, yeah, how are you doing over there, Brandon? Not well. Brandon, what did you have for breakfast this morning? Uh, nothing. You need a di- you haven't eaten anything today? I had a piece of toast. Do you toast. want some egg whites? Eggs would help. No, I don't I have full-on eggs. I toast. Do you buy do egg have... whites in a little carton or something? I got the uh, carton of egg nice. whites. Because I used to just throw the yolk away, and I was like, that's Wasteful. Is... Someone's... That's yolk If I If I buy it in a carton, someone is ob- someone's got to be using the yolk. <laughs> <laughs> if I buy it in a carton. Someone's using the yolk. Mm. Well... Anyway, this has the, been the film. The Aeronauts is based on the book "Falling Upwards." That's a better title. Just like Eddie Redmayne's career. Oh my! Seriously. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Mm. I can't wait for the concluding installment of Fantastic Bursts and Where to Find Them. Ah, <laughs> uh, is that? that There's still there. one more. Are they I thought it was supposed it? to be a five written movie by series. noted turf J.K. Yeah, <laughs> now that she's full on turfdom, isn't yeah. isn't aren't they gonna not? Was do it not it? supposed to be a five movie series? I have no idea. But to be honest with you, her turfdom. It was originally five, and then they lowered it to a trilogy, and now the third one's probably not even in, getting in made. In the same way that Rose Tico was eliminated from the Rise of Skywalker, and that Ghostbusters with Kristen Wiig and you know Leslie Jones and mm. that was erased from history. Yeah, I don't think Warner Brothers gives a flying fuck whether or not J.K. Rowling. Is as a turf, which oh, is, no, no, you know, it's just absurd, did the last one make money? Because no. I thought it didn't, and that would be why they don't they, make it. It would be, it did not, it make would money. be such a wonderful end to the Harry Potter film franchise for it to pull a series of unfortunate events and just be done and just be done after one or like the Narnia, two, the Narnia films. Did they make three Narnias? Did they make Prince Caspian? Yes, okay, did there's they, three. Do they there make three. The, what is it, the silver chair? No, Wait, silver fourth. chair, electric chair. Wait, guys, there might only be two. No, no, no. There's Voyage of the Dawn Treader, Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, Prince Caspian. I think that's where they stopped. They stopped there. I'm pretty sure that's where they stopped. It's all Christians are riding. We won't have this podcast, so I would just like to predict on the air, there will be a Harry Potter HBO Max series announced within the year. I think you've got a point. Oh, you think that's happening? Bernard, I think you've got a point. They you know will. what's happening? No, predicting? I predict. I mean, it's it's Warner Brothers' most valuable property. Yeah. They're going to make a show about <laughs> Yeah. It. So here, I'm wondering if studios will learn this lesson with IP. It's one that I don't really, I don't really want them to learn their lesson. I want them to make so many mistakes that they sort of, that they feel that they've bankrupted the property. Mm-hmm. But if you just waited five years mm-hmm. and then did your Harry Potter show, uh-huh. it would mean so much more in the culture. Not really to me. But it would probably be, it would not be met with any fatigue or exhaustion. Yeah. It would seem fresh. It would seem like a new direction. It, people would. And people who are our age would be old enough to make the movie. The people who like grew up with it and, and like frankly, have a true emotional investment in it. Frankly, a lot of people our age are going to have more children at that point. Mm-hmm. And it, this is a bonding moment. Yeah. 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 You, it, and some critic will inevitably call it a Harry Potter four hour moment. Mm. Yes. We've been going for 42 minutes. We, uh, we did not learn our lesson last time. I know. Time. So let's jump in. Let's We're just ju- so happy Let's to be jump back. into it. So again, we, number 20. No, just kidding. Are you going to plug in? Yeah. Oh, is it, is the battery low? Yeah. Well, let's not let that. Is it right there? Let's let's, let's make sure. Let zoom die. Let's make sure that we have enough battery power. It would be. It, I still get um, terrible flashbacks to recording our her smell episode. And we when cut I, out. When I finally said something eloquent about opening night, and then none of it was. Was recorded. that batteries or card full though? I don't card remember. Full. Didn't we have both of those things happen to us? Once I think just card full. 
And we never, we've just always feared the battery going out. Yeah. Well, the battery's an easy fix, so you just plug it in. Yes. It could be worse. The first podcast I ever did, if you didn't have the mixer, it was an old mixer, old mics, if it wasn't even, if it wasn't even just balanced on the table in the right way, mm. it would just go off. Yeah. And so we would have to, like, every episode we record 20 to 30 minutes of Ooh. audio. And then when you do it again, you're angry, mm-hmm. or I would be frustrated. Right. And it's never good. Love okay, so anger. I think Brandon is. Our number, number 10. 10. Oh, We're back onto the list. Number oh, 10. You can just me. say the title if you don't want to if you don't want to get into it with no. your hangover. Uh, <laughs> oh, I'm not giving this. I wish I could. Brandon's s- like, eight goddamn whiskey sours. <laughs> you couldn't just hit one. Goodness, hit one. <laughs> the funniest and most tragic scene of the year. That, that, that is that, the funniest that poor, scene that of the poor year. poor white man. It's like... Leonardo or v- Vicky Creeps walked so Leonardo DiCaprio could <laughs> run with the do 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 moment. So what's our number ten? <laughs> anyway, a movie that I'm not going to be able to speak eloquently on, and I wish I could. Lulu Wang's The Farewell, um, a lovely, beautiful movie starring Aquafina. Do you think she's going to win a Golden Globe tonight? Again, yes. we got to be careful about how long we spend on our goal. I know. <laughs> Just because yes. that's, a, that's a weak category. Yeah. Best actress, comedy. Or- it's yep. not going to be Emma Thompson in Late Night. You don't think it will be? I think that's her greatest competition. Yes. Yeah. It's going to be Aquafina. Yeah. But I also think that's kind of, well, I, was, I think it's also kind of like Eureka saying, I would eliminate Asia O'Hara because she's my mm-hmm. biggest competition mm-hmm. when it's like, but she's not really your biggest competition. In that point in the competition, she wasn't. So mm-hmm. I say that in sort of a double-edged way where yeah. Emma Thompson is probably her greatest competition but yeah. even then I don't really think she poses much of a threat yeah that's fair um what did you think of the film Brandon <laughs> what do you like about it uh, Brandon what's, we, what's the theme of the picture one two three go did we do an episode on this uh, where we still recording yes. <laughs> well, let's just cut in audio from Brandon speaking <laughs> um, on our episode about the farewell um the the actress who plays the grandmother Shujin Zhao yeah 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 um is incredible she is the heart the heart of this <clears throat> picture she's the heart of season 10 um I like the way this movie plays with not plays with but it's it's about it is about memory because it's Lulu Wang's memory of this happening mm-hmm. um I like the the subtle magical moments that happen, like when you see the grandfather, oh, with the cigarette smoke. Mm-hmm. Oh, my favorite! You see the puff of cigarette I smoke. Thought you were gonna do the the subway moment, <clears throat> and I love the grandma. subway moment. Oh when yeah, she's still in New York. Right, right. I love both those moments. Um, oh God, I, I, uh, it's just it's. I'll jump in. I it's think lovely. I can jump in if you want. I think that Lulu Wong does an incredible job at crafting the family dynamics in this film without ever being overly expository. But but that compliment sort of sounds like I think she's better on the page than on the screen. Like maybe she's more of a writer than a director, which I don't think at all. I think that she doesn't explore it with visual panache for the sake of panache. I think that there is a lovely amount of visual poetry in this film, like the cigarette smoke disappearing, which ties back into the you know, the disappearance of life and everything and the subway moment I love. And I know that Ben doesn't like this part so much, but and during the fake wedding, when that camera is moving around like a ru- like a roulette wheel to mm-hmm. all the people at the table, I think captures the, those rare moments of joy and ecstasy in a family reunion, which is surrounded by so much conflict. You hook in, if, if you're lucky enough, you hook into like a solid hour of mm-hmm. just everybody getting so high off one another. Yeah. And I think that that shot and then also the 
Reservoir Dog Shop, for lack of a better word, also does a wonderful job at communicating that feeling of family togetherness and solidarity in the face of time and death. And and I never felt like she was doing these moves for the camera's sake. I feel like they were tied very beautifully to the characters. Did you guys know Grandma Doesn't Know This Movie Was Made? Yes. I was listening to, I think it was the IndieWire Filmmaker Toolkit podcast. They were talking about how... Because obviously they have to keep up the lie mm-hmm. that they were not there to say goodbye to her when Holy it shit, happened. They're still lying to her. And the <clears throat> movie is now opening in China, and Lulu and her parents are like, we have to tell her. And it's her aunt, it's the mom's aunt, the, the, the woman, the old woman's sister mm-hmm. who is in the movie mm-hmm. that is like, no, we can't tell her. She can never see the movie. Wow. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. It's, mm-hmm. It is insane that the lie. Continues. continues yeah and that's really the lie the, is the friendship the <laughs> lie is the family i was about to say uh, it's it because it is kind of a twist at the end that when that the title the the card comes up that says and she's still with us today mm-hmm. like that and lulu didn't want that in the movie is that right uh-huh but she oh, i didn't know that was sort of pressured into it and she just was like because that's not the movie right what lulu talked about on this podcast is Every time she goes back to China, even if there's not a lie, it's because she's saying goodbye to someone. And that's what the farewell is not about the fact that grandma might die. It's about the fact that every time you return home is probably the last time you're going to see this person. Which is something that I understand very well. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to even be specific about it. But I was thinking about that quite often lately. It's a, it's, yeah. Mm -hmm. And this movie captures that beautifully. The the driving away. Yeah. Like whether or not... Grandma knew she was ill inside. Mm-hmm. She probably did think this is is the last time I'm going to see my granddaughter. I, mm-hmm. I will say, and I didn't know that she didn't want it in the film. I think it totally works <clears throat> because it recontextualizes the whole film. You, as soon as you find out that Grandma is dying, mm-hmm. you know what movie this is. Right. It's a movie about everybody saying goodbye to the grand matriarch of the family. The family's going to get together. It's going to be messy. It's going to be love. It's going to be beautiful. And someone's going to die at the end. Mm-hmm. And by uh, by tacking that on at the end, it completely recolors everything that you've just watched, and you realize that it was never really about that. Yeah. Even though it is about saying, it's about saying goodbye. It's not about death. It, it's not right. only about death. Right. It's about the life in those last moments. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think the ending of this movie is spectacular as well. With with, with the haas. with Nai Nai doing the haas. Mm-hmm. The ending of the movie is spectacular. Yeah, that is correct. When, A movie when moment the highs. The Haas like cross time and space. Yes. I also just want to give a quick shout out to Diana Lynn, who is extraordinary in this movie. Who is she? She plays the mother. Oh, I believe. she is very good. And uh, the dad too. Xu Jin Zhao and Aquafina are rightfully taking all the attention mm-hmm. out of this ensemble, but I think Diana Lynn is just as good as the other two. Yeah, would also like to say from this interview because she has to be prickly. Mm-hmm. The. Uh... Lulu's parents did not ask her not to come to China. Lulu was just personally afraid that she would start weeping. And then that's when the idea for the movie that what if I was told not to come because I'm too emotional. But that didn't actually happen. Well, and then it becomes a fascinating cultural conversation. Mm -hmm. But this movie is saying about East versus West. Like Richard Brody said, this movie is anti-individualist. Which I don't agree with. (laughs) Oh, the start of the movie, um, when... Aquafina's talking to grandma and she it how 
we just lie every single day. Yeah. Just saying, I think she's just, to get just basic white lies. Uh-huh. Even the open, in that the phone opening conversation, phone conversation. It, they're all just lying to each which other. Which is a yeah. perfectly written and directed yeah. scene. Yeah. yeah, and it's all about families, and that's what you do. Mm-hmm. I also, fam. I really admire how this film never veers into easy, tacky culture clash comedy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's right there. Yeah. Never goes for it. I also love the way this movie explores contemporary China, all the empty roads, the mm-hmm. high-rise buildings. Mm-hmm. There's a very sly capitalist critique going on there. Um, that whole conversation they have at dinner mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. plays into that. Yeah. And I love the scene of Aquafina on the ground <laughs> in the hotel room. I think it's in, or maybe in the family's house. Oh, when she's breaking down. Great scene. Yeah, that's her. I love that's her Oscar there. clip. Uh, Sadly, the she, movie is now getting she gets the nom. getting shoved aside for. I think they're putting all most their, consideration. I think they're putting all their chips on screenplay and supporting actress. And I will say, yeah. I think unless she wins the globe, I think the screenplay is substantially worse than the direction, and I, <laughs> I, I don't know why that's the thing. Yeah. It it will. I think it'll get nominated. Well, I know that I'm the I'm the the coolest on this film. You are I, you are you the are. cool. I think you say I know I'm the coolest. In the group, <laughs> but, but. I, yeah, I thought that's where you were going. <laughs> and well, I, actually, I'm a contrarian. I, and I think it is a good film, but I just I think the script is a little Sundancey. I do. Think, I don't think so, but I I understand why you say that. Mm-hmm. I think it's gonna get snubbed for screenplay too. No, I think it's happening. Really. But I think like something weird like Knives Out. Oh, could Knives get Out! It. I think One, Knives Out. Knives Out is also in my. We just made so much money. Well, then who else has the Once Upon a Time, Parasite, mm-hmm. Knives Out, Knives Out, the Farewell. I'd have to. Marriage Story. Yeah, that's, Are those pro- the five? that's probably it. I think that was the five I was thinking. Jojo Rabbit. Jojo, that's Jojo's adapted. adapted. Oh, it's a right. book adapted. Oh, right, right, right. As we right, discussed right. after uh, we the book where the off. Nazi child keeps the, the poor Jewish girl locked yes. up. Yes. That's how the book ends. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> how great. Yeah. Shall we move on? Shall we move on? Shall yes. I be mother? Lulu Wong. Shall I be mother? Who is your number nine? Film. Surprisingly, I was, I was actually surprised that I had this the highest on my list. Compared. What number did you have it at? Obviously, since it's nine, we remember. all have it pretty I know, high. we all do have it very I had high. it at number 10. But the best docu- music documentary since Stop Making Sense. Yes. Say it. No, I'm just trying to do the backwards math of where I have this 18 versus... We will, we, we, anyway, we will be mailing printouts of our individual <laughs> list to all of you individually so you can follow along anyway, with what Ben is doing. We number, know where you all live. We will number, send a Movies IMO branded nine. highlighter as well. <laughs> Homecoming, a film by Beyonce, which yes. it seems most people have con- decided to consider television. Which is interesting. Which is fine. Live your, live your lives. That's the other Netflix movie. They did not have a thea- it did not have a theatrical release of any sort, so I understand why people would then put it in television. But and it, it ran for Emmys. It didn't even try for the yeah. Oscar for best documentary. Can I quickly jump in? I know I'm, that I'm shocked it didn't try for. Well, I guess this it's going to try for Grammys and try for yeah as Emmys. I, as we all talked. I was trying to figure out the last time we all saw each other before the last podcast, and I couldn't figure it out. But it, it, that's when we were talking about this, which is. The idea, like, I can't imagine getting worked up over someone thinking that something is a movie when they think it's TV. Mm -hmm. The rule is, if it feels like cinema to you, that's what it is. If you want to include Mad Men season four on your best of the decade list, throw that fucker on there. Who gives a shit? I'm dying. And and Homecoming, a film by Beyonce, is cinema. If it is is cinema. Stories, 
told through images, then you can consider the it match cinema. cuts of the nights is that is cinema that's, cinematic moment that's of the year. Oscar nominee for best when editing. she is singing Crazy in Love five ten minutes in and it jumps on the beat in perfect. Everyone is still doing it's Busby Berkeley. I was, I was about to say Busby Berkeley. It is just it is one of the most amazing things I've ever seen. Well, so let's talk about Busby Berkeley and just the idea of historical context mm. and the idea of what is Busby Berkeley doing in these numbers? I don't necessarily think it has any social or cultural relevance apart uh-huh. from the act itself. Right. It is also, frankly, built on a little bit of misogyny and, and that Busby... Proto-fascism. It's proto- exactly. It's, I was going to get to that too. I'll say the misogynist thing and if you want to say the fascist thing, feel free. But the fact that Busby Berkeley numbers sort of depend on uh, decapitated women, chopped up women, the idea of body parts over the yeah. whole, mm-hmm. and Beyonce takes that right back. Yeah. I, don't, I don't even necessarily know if it's... It, it, it's not an academic exercise. Right. It's just in the tradition of dance. Although and, Beyonce and, and she Jay-Z has, are both very learned about culture. Right, but um, I was I was going to say, Beyonce has recalled Busby Berkeley for years in her choreography. Watch her Super Bowl show. That's with, with the mirrors and everything. When mm. she makes a Busby Berkeley number out of only herself. Yeah. <laughs> like, she she's very obviously like learned in, in the group dynamics of a dance number like that. But Beyonce... Not only one-ups Busby Berkeley, I think, with these risers full of chorus and band and mm-hmm. dancers, when you keep in mind that the costumes of the film, the costumes of the band is all a take on, on the historically black college and university, um, not insignia, but it, it, it's meant to evoke that. Mm-hmm. She's also, she's reclaiming multiple pieces of history yeah. in this one grand tradition. And so- Everyone fa- watched Spike Lee's second film, School Days. And it's also and it's also a nod to school days, don't you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's she's well. One thing, well, I, I've been talking. You're still supposed to be talking. Just that. Uh, I mean, I don't care. But <laughs> <laughs> we can all talk. But I, I just, I just, it is the most miraculous concert mm-hmm. film of the decade of the century so far. Mm-hmm. Probably uh, nothing has been as high profile as this in terms of concert films for I don't know since shine a light like it's it is kind of just its own thing and it it uh do you guys remember there was that Beyonce documentary on HBO in like 2013 yeah and it's very fake and it's very like she's trying to present a version of herself it's like the five foot two version of Beyonce. Yeah. yeah and then this I've often talked about that having blue ivy Giving birth, I think, just like broke Beyonce open and everything that she has done since the birth of Blue Ivy has been the greatest thing that has ever happened. Well, I think Beyonce has always been concerned with legacy, mm-hmm. but the work she's done around black legacy, the, the legacy of black art, rather, mm-hmm. and the legacy of black women post Blue Ivy. Yeah. Maybe that's not the, maybe that is not exactly what that fulcrum yeah. point is. But you look at Lemonade, you look at her music videos, you mm. look at this film, you look at what she uses her platform for. Is the type of album that like puts what everything this person has ever done into context for the first time. And it's like it the, is a moment. The visual album of the self-titled too, mm-hmm. the the focus on childhood and achievement mm-hmm. and excellence mm-hmm. and young black girls mm-hmm. is momentous and hugely cinematic, which mm-hmm. is my least favorite adjective. 
but I will use cinematic on this because she's turning it into a cinema in a way that no one else... Well, that's not true. Plenty of people have, but she's doing it in a way that feels forward-thinking and mm-hmm. also distinctly of the now. Mm-hmm. It's a great example of how to use your platform. Yeah. Um, and... Oh, I did oh, not even finish this thought that the, compared to the HBO documentary, it's like she is actually vulnerable in this movie. Well, yeah. the the flashbacks to rehearsal. Yeah. And yeah. All, the, all of the footage feels so authentic. And obviously she has chosen specific yeah. things. Right. And they represent certain things, but it just feels so much more like we're getting an actual window into who Beyonce is. I agree with that. I also think that she gives us a window into the process of making a movie and of making a show mm-hmm. in a way, just making entertainment mm-hmm. in a comparable way to what Tarantino does in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood oh. when Sharon, when Margot Robbie is watching Sharon Tate and mm-hmm. the Wrecking Crew on screen mm-hmm. and we flash back to Bruce Lee teaching Sharon how to, like, how to do Kung Fu. Uh-huh. We, what, we get a glimpse of that, and as Sharon Tate is kicking in rehearsal, we cut to, on the screen, Sharon Tate nailing it in the mm, film, uh-huh. <clears throat> and then we cut to Margot watching. So we are seeing prep, performance, and appreciation. Yeah. And Beyonce, is just do this through the entire piece, but there are moments where we are cutting from rehearsal to show to Beyonce, mm-hmm. thrilled, jubilant mm-hmm. at everyone's hard work during the show. And... So I just think the the idea like it, it, I think that Tarantino and Beyonce are people who both under, who they both understand the impact of entertainment and just the beauty of process yeah. with creating entertainment. And I hadn't thought about those two films as mirroring in that way until now. But. Obviously, perfectionists. Exactly. Both of them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, P- the people who love the work. Yes. Mm-hmm. Something I think Evident about a, mo- a moment I think about a lot is when Beyonce is like, well. I don't really see the point of giving more notes until these past notes have been implemented. Big, so. ben, big ben MP. She, energy, I have to say. <laughs> yeah. And like she chose for that to be in. Yeah. That she shows that she's, she is a perfectionist yeah. and it, the work shows mm-hmm. like I, that cut could not exist. And no, I think that you can compare what Beyonce who directs this film mm-hmm. You can compare what she does just in terms of sustaining. But if only Jonathan Demme had actually directed it. Would have been great. Mm. If they had mm. co-directed it even. Mm. But, ah, but wow. I'm very happy to have this version because mm. Beyonce now has two of the best films of their respective years. Mm-hmm. Lemonade is top 10 material. I wish I should have included oh, Lemonade in my decade list. When you asked the other day in, in our previous podcast, what's your shame, your cinematic shame of yeah. the decade? It's that I lowered Lemonade on my list because I didn't feel like it's a, it counts as a movie. Shame. Shame. Shameful. And I thought of that yesterday as I yeah. was thinking about what we're going to talk about answer. today. When This is like a very facile point, but maybe I can get to something a little more complex. It's a long fucking movie. It is. It's like two hours and 20 minutes long. Mm-hmm. If yeah. not long it is a long fucking movie. Mm-hmm. And yet the energy... It's not that it doesn't dip because it does. Yeah. It, this movie veers into several different tones through mm-hmm. its musicality and dance. There are quieter, more introspective moments, and there are moments of ecstatic group celebration. Mm-hmm. And I think you can compare it to what Scorsese does in The Irishman Ooh. in terms of juggling these tones and taking a large, on its face, unwieldy object yeah. in terms of duration, mm-hmm. keeping it consistently engaging, which just does not mean that it is consistently a Softy Brothers film. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. And uh, Gerwig does that in Little Women as well. I've watched yeah. it. It's pro- I've watched it more times than any of the other releases this year, just because it is just a concert movie. Not yeah, just, but it's it is so thrilling. It is so watchable, and it puts yeah. me in such a good mood every time I watch it. Oh yeah. She also didn't have to make this movie because Beachella on YouTube uh-huh. already existed. Right. 
You can Again, just watch that. It's a te- it, she's she's both lifting this and, and she dropped it the day before Ariana headlined. Mm-hmm. Coachella. It's iconic. What a moment. <laughs> but I think that it shows how much she cares about the work and cares mm-hmm. about not just her work but the work that everyone put into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she wants to celebrate and exalt that, yeah. which yeah. is doubled down upon in the rehearsal footage as well. Absolutely. I think it's great. And did she shoot on like Super 16 or something for the rehearsal footage? It looks very good though. Yeah, it's great. Love this film. Mm. Great film. Great film. Now on Netflix. Number eight is also me. Hello. Hello. Which I would not have guessed. That this is the highest on my list? I was if you told me like last year that Mm -hmm. Ben stands the Almodovar the hardest, I would be surprised. I would too. Yeah. Where is it on your list? I think it's 12. Same. It ended up number six on my list because Whoa. of Terrence Malick, but I thought it was going to be in the top five. Is Pain and Glory. Delory Gloria. Nice. Um, it's it, it moves me. It is a film, you know, Almodovar has been preoccupied with storytelling as the actual text of the film for a generation. Mm-hmm. And uh, what Antonio Banderas does in this film channeling and uh what's the word i'm looking for i don't know but portraying almodovar basically is just Mm -hmm. incredibly powerful it's just it moves me same i rewatched the first five minutes of this last night that screener doesn't work anymore but i oh it expired yeah and so i don't so i don't know how i watched it but i did does the does it start with at the river? It starts in the pool. Oh, that's right. And mm, mm-hmm. Almodovar, and this is a completely overused expression, but Almodovar obviously merits it. It is completely Hitchcockian the way that he st- sets up this film. Mm-hmm. Underwater, tracing the scar down the center of his chest mm. up to his face. That mm-hmm. is a Hitchcockian gesture. Yeah, it immediately builds a mystery. And I think that this film and Julieta are twins, and that they are both mysteries mm. about repressed trauma. Mm. Not, I mean, if when you a lot of Almodovar's films have a noir element or a mystery element, mm-hmm. but it's and they tend to be about trauma. But the way that he investigates them is through doppelganger, through shadow, through a like Ben was saying, a preoccupation with storytelling, a capital M movie plot. Yeah. Like in Bad Education, for instance, or All About All About Mother. So through melodrama is basically what mm-hmm. I'm saying, but a heightened sense of melodrama. Yeah. This film is far more muted. The loudest colors you see are the posters on the wall for the character's previous films. Yeah. That he's in and, and he does this in Julieta too. I don't think he's ever been so focused on one character's journey mm-hmm. without having to extrapolate it into cinematic elements that, go, that that exist in the other areas of the frame. Yeah. I don't quite know how to express myself on this one, mm-hmm. but I'm a huge Almodovar fan, and it's partly because of the splashiness, the color, yeah. the, the um, salacious nature of the... It is very simple. It's simple, and it, yeah. it feels straightforward. Like in a clean... It's just clean and yeah. beautiful. And yet extremely chaotic when you dip into the mind yeah. that we're following. Mm-hmm. Like that fantastical illustrated sequence section. Yeah. section is like, that bursts, but then the rest of it's like just... And mm-hmm. even then it's just diagrams of a body. Yeah. Right, you know? yeah. It, That's him talking about like him, his surgeries or something? Yeah. yeah. 
and it's his ailments. His ailments. The character is no longer thinking in the beautiful painted kaleidoscopic interstitials of the opening credits, mm-hmm. which we are led to believe that was his predominant visual mode. Right. There's a reason he's watching The Holy Girl on TV. Yeah. <laughs> oh my and god. And not just because Almodovar produced it. Um, so funny. So much of Pain and Glory is about perspective changes, mm-hmm. and about how the older you get, the more you understand the people who wronged you in the past, or you realize that you were wronging them in the past. Yeah. And heroin as a motif in this movie, you realize as the film goes on, is not just meant as a uh, a medication to, to numb his excruciating bodily pain. Yeah. But he's doing heroin to try and connect with his former lover, mm-hmm. who was an addict. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not information that you get for the first hour of the right. film. Yeah. So even as a viewer, you're having to shift your perspective and what you right. think about various objects in the film. Uh, I think what stays with me the most about this movie, and it stays with me with a lot of movies, and something I think about as I get older means a lot to me, is that when you are a young cinephile, it's something that happens in movies all the time is someone from your past comes back into your life. And uh, that is, I think, one of the few emotional ideas that you cannot understand until you have lived it. Mm -hmm. And the ability to spend time with someone from your past who meant a lot to you still means a lot to you. And to just have a nice... Like nostalgic, a bit sad time and a together. Bit sexy too. Yes, that too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so sad, so sexy. Is not something that you can fully comprehend until you've lived long enough to have that. Absolutely, and that's why I'm. Did you have more to say? No, sorry? just that that's the centerpiece of the film. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Is when his old lover comes. Which is to why I and the dick. Oh yeah. We haven't even uh, talked about the movie about within the, the movie, um, right? I, I just want to say I loved this film. I love, I love it more the more I think about it. It's not even in my top 10 Almodovar films, but I am sure that the older I get mm-hmm. and the more perspective I gain, this will creep up the list. Yeah. It yeah. could possibly be one of my top five Almodovars by the time I turn 50. Amy Taubin. Amy Taubin. First reference this episode said, uh, you know, it's hard for me to be an Almodovar fan because I prefer the early crazy ones, but he has continued to be a better filmmaker. Mm-hmm. And it's very hard to like grapple with those two things that they're not as uh, outlandish, but the filmmaking just consistently gets better throughout his career. Yeah, I agree with that. We I haven't talked about, I'm not going to be able to speak on this, but the like... The the creativity uh, like the creative process the oh, way yeah. the mo- this movie deals with that mm-hmm. and how the pullout that that the one, final shot the final shot I, I feel like last episode I said every movie yeah. on our list has a there great are, final we had yes, a lot great a lot great of great final, final shots, shots this but year. the pullout to reveal that the whole Penelope with the son storyline is is him making, him making his making next movie, movie. Yeah. him getting over his creative I think there's a beautiful block. sort of meta element to that as well in casting Julieta Serrano who's in mm. some of the earlier Amadovar films mm-hmm. as Antonio Banderas's real mother mm-hmm. basically the character is running away from the idea of cinema as life mm-hmm. he wants to get away from making movies he no longer thinks they're truthful yeah there's something beautiful if you've followed Almodovar's career or if you just recognize her face as the crazy lady with a gun and woman on the, women on the verge of a nervous breakdown, mm-hmm. that by casting her, he is re-injecting his own faith in his past films. Yeah. And it's also sort of a clue that 
maybe what the flashbacks you've been watching were a movie. Yeah. And that's sort of when I hooked into it because I realized there's no reason not to just cast Penelope. Like you'd through we, as Penelope Cruz is such a major star. Yeah. By casting someone else, the illusion's broken. Yeah. And that felt so intentional to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I wouldn't have been mad to see Penelope Cruz in old age makeup. Yeah. I, I think that would have been less distracting. Yeah. But I think the distraction is intentional because I love that he just is explicitly putting in one of his movies. My mom didn't like it that I made movies about her. Mm -hmm. She didn't enjoy that. And I think that's really brave to say. Well, the whole, I agree. The whole relationship that the character has with his mother in mm -hmm. her final moments, he mm -hmm. is looking f actively for redemption. Mm -hmm. That's the whole, I mean, he loves her, but he's her caretaker as much out of self-interest as mm -hmm. hers. Mm -hmm. Not 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 that that makes him a bad person. It's just yep. that everyone wants their parents to pat them on the head. Mm -hmm. And I I wrote this in my log, in the second time I saw it on Letterbox that both times I saw this movie, that that moment when Antonio starts coughing in the kitchen the first time, I get so upset. Like I'm very sad. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, because it makes you think about Almodovar dying. Yeah. In addition to just, we're all just dying. yeah, it's just it's very frail. Yeah, yeah, and there's something very human about it. There's also, I mean, like I was saying, if you want to be metatextual or bring in the whole body of work, which I think the film is as much about a body of work as it is the body itself, okay. maybe the other way around. But Banderas is a avatar for oozing masculinity in the earlier films. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. he's a fucking sex pot. He's a deranged criminal but he is masculine through and through. Mm -hmm. Perhaps toxic, perhaps seductively, almost always both at the same time. Mm -hmm. To cast him in this role is not only meaningful in context with the filmography and that he's sort of Almodovar's original leading man, so for him to play Almodovar is very moving, mm -hmm. but it's a complete inversion of Banderas' star image. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I love Dyer, so I'll talk about star image whenever you guys want to. Mm -hmm. But that as well, even if you haven't seen those other films, you've seen Banderas as Zorro. Yeah. You know? And to see him dying and so frail and so desperate is just a beautiful subversion of story yeah. image. The Something I've been wanting to say. Of the year. That's what I, I believe it. I think that's that my I think choice. it's Sandler, but um yeah. I don't like that I think it's Sandler because Banderas is my number two. That's my it's heart. Just so but I do subtle I do, and I lovely and beautiful. Um, I've been wanting to have a venue to express this thought for months. The last podcast is I a know, good place to do is, that. Um, we don't give Antonio Banderas enough credit for the fact that he broke out in America also doing a gay movie mm -hmm. in Philadelphia. Yeah. Um, and he literally didn't have to do that. It's like one thing to do to play gay in the Spanish Almodovar movies mm -hmm. but then to come to America and do Philadelphia as your first major role and then to become who he became is kind of insane yeah and that that's interesting we don't worship him in the proper way that's yeah. what I that's what I love about this performance getting the recognition the accolades that it that it is is yeah. not just because it lets us have a self-congratulation but I want Banderas to know yeah that mm -hmm. yeah you know he's gonna just how appreciated and treasured he is yeah he's gonna get the academy award nomination and this morning i was thinking about how crazy that he's dakota johnson's like father figure i know like absolutely insane i know wait really yeah, yeah. melanie griffith is 
her mom. Oh, right. And, and But they're no longer together. No. But, but only as of a couple years yeah, ago. Yeah, Dakota Johnson right, grew right. up with, with Antonio, Antonio Banderas as her stepfather. How cool. I know. I was like, that is wild. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is. I've never Dakota thought Johnson's about that got before. stories to tell. Yeah. Oh, yeah, baby. Move she over, sure Sarah Polly. I know some of those stories, and I'm not allowed to say them. Let's quickly turn off the microphones. <laughs> and we're back. Mm. Number seven? Seven is Danielle. Number seven is her smell. Mm. Mm, And it smells great. And it smells terrible (laughs) until it smells pretty good. And then I don't know what it's going to smell like. Her smell has the scene of the year for me. Heaven. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's when she sings heaven for her baby, baby daughter. Yes. I think that... Which is now available on YouTube. Just that scene. And I've watched it several times. times Her (laughs) smell has the best sound design of the year. Mm. I would have to see Fuck it again, yeah. but I believe you. Fuck yeah. And Except were... my theater was fucked up. Yes. Rip. Right. Gotta rewatch it on Prime. Where did you see it? A Lemley. Oh. Wait. Yeah. No. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> was it the Los Feliz? I don't know. Anyway. I, I'm, a, I'm a sucker for a performance that is in and of itself another performance. Mm-hmm. And you get that all over the place with Elizabeth Moss as mm-hmm, Becky mm-hmm. something. How wounded she is, but that's almost simplistic. How she considers herself both God and the devil, mm-hmm. and depending on the time of day, you're going to get one or the other. Mm-hmm. Or depending on how she's feeling, how she'd like to be presented, she's yeah. going to give you one or the other. There's such a manic intensity to that performance that just must be bowed down to. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It, it is one of the best performances of the year. Yeah. It is not my best actress winner. Neither. Is, it's my second or third. It's my second. I would put it third, I think. Behind Renee. No, I wouldn't. Behind Lupita, Lupita Nyong'o. Behind Lupita and Zhao Tao. Yeah. Oh, yeah. well, Those okay. Zhao Tao would so, be my winner. Ash, rewatching yeah. with your your what you said about her in my head, like, holy no, holy it's fuck. like truly insane what she does in that movie. Oh, when she's just thwacking people with water bottles. Uh, oh, that's good. <laughs> that is good. It's great. Oh, oh God. And then Lupita and then... Yeah, I would Lizzie. go having, I mean, I, Lupita's been my winner all year, but I just rewatched the first hour, 20 minutes of Us mm. before I came here, and that cements it. Mm-hmm. So I go Lupita, Nyong'o, Chateau, and then Elizabeth Moss. Fair. But the fact that Elizabeth Moss is not first just speaks to the strength of performances yeah. this year. Oh, yeah. This is a calling card performance. Mm-hmm. I love Elizabeth Moss so much. Mm-hmm. We're not going to talk about the Scientology in this moment. but she, I always give her a pass for it because she, she was grew up born with into it. it. Yeah. yeah. But she's thoroughly brainwashed. Elizabeth Moss is constantly reintroducing herself to the public. Yeah. Flawlessly. Mm-hmm. Starting like as the, like on the West, West wing. wing. On the West Wing, you know, she's the president's daughter, she's like the young liberal, she mm-hmm. get kidnapped at some she point. She gets kidnapped. Yeah. And then I had no idea she was on yeah. the West Wing. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and then we have Mad Men and, Peggy. and Peggy Olsen is maybe my television character of the decade. Oh probably. yeah. Probably, right? Yeah. Just a, a, a paragon for goodness you know mm-hmm. but not in sort of a sexist the woman is an angel way right. she is plow- she's also really she's ruthless crunchy she 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 plows her way through this inhospitable field as a woman and no one is gonna feel that way about beans that's the line of <laughs> Mad Men's entire the bean ballet oh, that is beautiful love the bean ballet uh, the bean scene <laughs> And then even with her work with Alex Ross Perry before, she's willing to go there in a spiky direction, oh, queen, yeah. queen of Earth. She's just one of those actors who has never given a false moment. No. Like, there's something in her soul that prevents 
her delivering that. That performance is always te- of her smell is always teetering on the edge of losing it. Mm-hmm. And she dance she like ice skates so gracefully on this line mm-hmm. that is constantly changing direction mm-hmm. and she never once falters. Yeah. She's dangerous. She's deranged. She's hilarious. She's misunderstood. She's self-defeatist. She yeah. realizes she's the enemy, so she's going to fight back. She's constantly moving on the pieces and then when you get to the fourth it's not just a matter of playing regret. Mm-hmm. It's she's she's barely sober. She's like yeah. what a year sober, mm-hmm. less than remember, that. Yeah. But she is. What I love about that section is she is wrestling with the decisions she's made mm-hmm. and the behavior that she's inflicted upon others. But she's not yet convinced that she was wrong mm-hmm. about all of it and how to reconcile that. Yes, and the fact that I believe I said this on the episode that we recorded that. Uh, it is. It takes such skill for the the to believe that the first of the per, the first three chapters is the person in the last two, mm-hmm. and she does it. I never don't believe that that this was a this woman performing this character right yeah. within the film. It's yeah, not it's a all... matter of going loud and going soft. Mm-hmm. It's a matter of full bodied characterization that she can take it in whichever direction she mm-hmm. needs to tonally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, what moved me about this movie is in the final act when she's just, she's just so afraid yeah. to present her true self mm-hmm. to the world. And that it's going to make her relapse if she tries to do it. Yeah. yeah. Like it's, it's a terrifying fear and it's very relatable. Just yeah. presenting yourself as you to the world without mm-hmm. like, a mask and of. and you're pushing back a drug that is already in your bloodstream. Mm-hmm. Even when she's sober, she's having right. to fight that. Yeah. yeah, she has that knee jerk, like literally chemical reaction inside of her. That's what I mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Agnes Dane is great, spectacular mm-hmm. in this film mm-hmm. as her bandmate. Yeah, that was my supporting actress winner of the year um, until I rewatched Parasite yesterday. Mm. But we'll talk about that when we get to Parasite. If which, we, which we, maybe if, we won't, maybe we won't. Who knows? <laughs> so that's you'll uh, be very happy. I was thinking about my supporting actress uh, thoughts, uh-huh. and I think the person that I would end on in at the end of the day is Jennifer Lopez as your winner. Wow, it completely Fuck. unexpected. Yes. I think Fuck yeah. cuz the last couple scenes in Hustlers are of her, so incredible. the last couple of her scenes like literally yeah she wipes the floor I, with anyone she's else my winner. in the category. I said this to someone the other day the exact same point you made about Elizabeth Moss how could you possibly believe that the person in the first act is the person in the fourth mm. act when you consider Jennifer Lopez's introduction yes the athleticism the bravado mm-hmm. the panache the effortlessness of it yeah the consummate professionality of the pole dance yeah. to criminal followed by the fur coat on the roof. Mm-hmm. And then the woman at the end frantically showing pictures from her wallet. Ugh. How is that the same person? Yeah. It's the extraordinary depth of pathos that yeah. Jennifer Lopez imbues into that character. I agree. Incredible performance. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, baby. Mm-hmm. Glad we get to talk about that since we may or may not be talking about hustlers later. We shall see. We'll see. <laughs> but anyway, who knows? So that I don't. <laughs> we have an episode on her smell and definitely check that out. That cuts out in the middle. But then and then we re-recorded. <laughs> and then we re-recorded some of it. Okay. But that's number six. Number seven. So number six. Number six. You. Is you. Uh now on Is it on Netflix now? Our. No, I said you. It was oh, at some program. point on Netflix. <laughs> High Life is on Canopy and Prime. Thank uh, you. Yeah. 
our second greatest living filmmaker, and maybe we'll have an appearance by the greatest filming living maybe filmmaker we'll... later on the list. Uh, maybe made a staggering sci-fi feature this year called High Life. Uh, High Life. I don't know why I felt that uh, high life. I can't believe you did that. <laughs> to do that in Borat voice, but I did. High Life. It just it just felt right in the moment. Um, <laughs> high Life. Um, it's just. Thanks for the high. Very few movies have ever made me as sad as this movie made me. <laughs> nice. Um, and when I saw it at TIFF in 2018, I was sure it would be my number one movie of the year. And then there were two movies that are beyond this even. But this movie, uh, the blues and the oranges stick to me. And when... And like the semen. Yeah, I was yes. going to try to turn and, that into and, just like the Kamon Julian Pinochet's leg. The, <laughs> the lushness and futility of its greens. Yes. Yeah. There are, it opens with these verdant greens in the, on the spaceship and the baby is playing in the, in the mist, in this like totally fabricated greenhouse yes on the spaceship that is the only real authentic life life. that they have and it's high in the air you might say it's the high life it's the titular high life it is the titular role nice um robert pattinson gives one of my favorite performances of the year um as the daddy Mm. who has to raise his baby space daddy space daddy and uh Dealing with all of the, all of the past things with a witch slash scientist who turns into some sort of furry creature when she orgasms in the fuckbox. <laughs> in the fuckbox, ah, the titular. Never fuck forget. Box. I will never forget the first time I saw because I've seen this movie I think three times now. When she finishes her time in the fuckbox uh-huh. and this car wash mm-hmm, drops mm-hmm. down and just cleans it up. The dildo, the massive <laughs> metallic well, you can't, dildo. You can't talk about the totality of the fuck box without the windshield wiper effect I, at the end. And it's then, not simply the fur and the fucking. Yeah. And then how from it and then from outside the fuck box, the drainage from the cleaning. Drainage. <laughs> and the guy waiting to his use turn. The fuck box. turn. Yeah. He's waiting to use the fuck box. Mm-hmm. It just. It's absolutely It's so terrifying. primal. It is. That is Such exactly Such a primal right. movie. It's for violence a, and sex. For mm-hmm. a filmmaker who's, society. who trades on her sense of physicality, mm-hmm. this might be the strongest next to Bochrevi. Yeah. Not, not, not as a film, but as a yeah. as a piece of art expressed through physicality. Julia Binoche's violent, back muscles when yeah. she's in the fuck machine. Mm-hmm. And just like the way that human bodies collide, mm-hmm. the way that stars do. It's not... It's... When you when, when you think about two human bodies coming together, we tend to think about it in this enlight like an enlightenment romantic ideal yeah. of mutual pleasure and mm. joy and companionship. Mm. And Claire Denis taking a big axe to that thought. She sure Hell yeah. is. She's and no 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 no. This this universe is about suffering. <laughs> it's about exploitation. Mm-hmm. It's about violence. Mm-hmm. It's about incompatibility. Yeah. That just that that worldview of two bodies together being fundamentally incompatible. The human, only time the we see box. two people engaging in coitus it's is rape. the rape. Yeah, and then an ensuing knockdown, dragout fight mm-hmm. to the death. To the death, he dies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I mean, the fascination with bodies goes to the beginning of the film when Pattinson is dropping the bodies out into space. 
which is a chilling image and one that makes you want to turn off the screen. Uh, she has such a good quote. Oh, yeah, but the body's not floating up. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, I yeah. I forget what it is. She said, well, they're not. Yeah, it's like, well, they're not fucking. I don't know. But they're she... not farting. It's or like a completely like... miss. It's a total misunderstanding of how space works. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but she's just so confident with it. I don't remember. Oh, yeah. But that no, was a good one. That was a classic. That was a good one. Anyway, if you, if you remember, please let me know. I'm not available on any social media, but write me a letter. <laughs> write you a letter. Send a pigeon. Uh, Send a carrier pigeon yes. with a message. Let me know. Oh, I'm just thinking about high life over here. I, there, there's something that I love in this. Uh, obviously, Denise's view of humanity is very grim mm-hmm. and inherently violent mm-hmm. and inherently conflict-driven. And it always ends in death. And when you look at the end of this film, this film could only end in an acceptance of death and a miracle, which is that at least two people get to die together. Yes. Which is a miracle. And they get to choose it. Yes, exactly. They've broken the wheel in a way. Well, I like to think that they've, you know, ascended. Yeah. Obviously, they didn't die. But they, (laughs) right, sure. Yeah, exactly. But you're... Oh what? No, it's okay. Go ahead. The 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 ghost ship journey, the uh, POV when the, he and dogs mm-hmm. with the dogs haunting. A moment of the Haunt. year for sure. Yeah. And then and Pattinson realizes, oh, we were just dogs to these people yes. who put us on this and it, ship. And it's also yep. as clear a vision yep. as Denis can give for her view on humanity. Yep. Should we talk about the Earth scene? Bunch of wild. Oh <laughs> no, the only flaw in this otherwise excellent film. <laughs> They're prisoners, and we've captured them because they've done bad things. Chris, Chris Vile, <laughs> fellow film fag, on his list for his little blurbs, he was like praising the shit out of High Life, and he was like in parentheses, oh, we'll forget about the Earth scene. <laughs> it, but it, she was adamant to put it in, which I respect. She, yeah, it's I do the, too. I'm just like, she the, felt she needed it. It's the anti-Wong in a way. Like the, the move that most people like the least, Lulu Wong was... Not Don't on board, and, and Denise insisted. She was like, "We d- need exposition I, look, here." I do, I do think that the Earth stuff is shot well. I it's don't, beautiful. I don't mind the Earth stuff. Am I, I the only either. one? No, I, I like. No, I, don't, I mean, it. I, it's not that I love it, but I just am like, okay. I don't. I mean, care. you love the, I mean, you love the whole. Yes, movie. I love the whole. It doesn't deter from the movie for me. Right. Same. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good movie. Yeah, so let's just put this out here real quick before we move on to the next film. Uh-huh. You know, we're getting to our top five. We're very thrilled to have this opportunity to hang out and uh-huh. chat about films, something we don't do the podcast. But know that if we kept doing this show, uh-huh. it would end with us three rabid dogs tearing each other to bits <laughs> on the, the spaceship death. that is Ben's apartment. <laughs> and don't, why would you wish that on us? Why would who's you wish Julia that on Binoche, us? Who's Julia and who's Robert Pattinson and who's Mia Goth? I'm Mia Goth. <laughs> Oh. Okay, you really just said that. Yeah, that's me. Your head explodes My, in the spacesuit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, that is because, one of because the moments I would of the try, year for me. I would try and leave. Oh, uh, sure. You know, but actually, no. I'm more Andre. Then Benjamin. I think you're in the oh. fuck box. No, I think you're Julia. I think I'm Julia Benoche because I think I would try to do experiments on you <laughs> if we were <laughs> if we were trapped somewhere together. And I'm I, Robert Pattinson because I'm. Sad. Sad. <laughs> so sad, so sexy. But you continue with the routine. 
Oh, that's of the thing. Course, is yes. Daniel and I would give up on the routine. Yes, you would never. No, give up we, on the we, we, I, Ben and I, before, right when we started the show, said <laughs> that we, we will always show up to record because Brandon will make us. <laughs> <laughs> Brandon will the re, and, until I stopped making us. Literally, I mean, it was a it was a group decision in the podcast, but it literally was Brandon you bringing it up. It. Exactly, exactly. We're done. We're done. <laughs> and I think I hadn't thought about this now, but just the way that Denis handles fluids between uh, trouble literally. every day. I love the in, fluids. In high life. Mm. Ooh. I think about the that come and trouble every day. Uh, every day. Uh, the load. <laughs> That's trouble, bro. That's trouble. That's trouble, <laughs> sis. The heavy load. Uh, that load. <laughs> trouble every that day. That vampiric load. <laughs> that load looked incredible in 35 millimeter <laughs> when I got... The, the chance the to texture, see it. Mm. the grain of the load. So I uh, saw the load in 35 millimeter. <laughs> uh, no. Pour myself a cognac. Pour myself a cognac. Well, the load in 16 is 16 millimeter. There was a film this year called The, the Load. load. <laughs> Ew, what? Like a Eastern European of some kind. Mm. I forget exactly. Oh right, it there was, was a film called The Load, and I kept <laughs> laughing to myself about it. Should we move on? It's on yes. Amazon Prime. So we're now on our top five films of the year. Wow. Uh, two of which we've already talked about on the podcast. Great. Don't have to talk Three about them Three of which we again. haven't. <laughs> Number five. Three we haven't? Number five. Yeah. Wow. Jordan Peele's spectacular sophomore feature. Uh, I think it's a little confusing. You know, I don't, you know pick a theme, dude. <laughs> Just, like, your imagination is a little out of hand. No, I mean, I said... <laughs> just my, a lot. My favorite my favorite moment of hypocrisy... It's just messy. My favorite moment of hypocrisy, and I normally am loath to, like, try and assign mm. motivation to people with things I don't like, because I would hate it if someone did to me. It's not fair. But when Get Out comes out, everyone's like, oh, my God. The uncontainable imagination <laughs> of Get Out. Uh-huh. The infinite... Expansiveness, the idea of Jordan Peele's uh. imagination, and then cut to us, cut to us, where which is the number five film of the year, where Jordan Peele dares to, like Greta Gerwig and Little Women, paint on a larger canvas mm-hmm. with that vast, uncontainable imagination. It is eh, oh, it's, it's a bit so much. messy. It's, it's messy. He needs to keep it a little more contained than this. It's a bit much, Jordan. You took film bros' advice and you went too far. <laughs> Literally. What? I was gonna give this movie five stars from the moment there is this long pull-out shot of the, of bunny. the bunny. Mm-hmm. That sequence with that song. Yes. Jordan Coral. Peele has a corner on the chanting market in cinema. Yes. And I include Portrait of a Lady that, on fire. That, mm. Oh yeah, that prologue on the huh. beach yeah. is so beautifully huh. shot. Mm-hmm. Just so... It's you're in. You're in yeah. immediately. As the I've, second it's the movie starts. Because as I've always, always, for the past two years, Jordan Peele has a galvanizing sense of control mm-hmm. with his camera, with camera movement, how to guide your eye to an item in the frame. Yeah. How to track, how to know whose perspective you're constantly in. Yeah. Which is a brilliant game of deceit, I guess, of, of uh, bait and switch in mm-hmm. us, and that you are so sure that you are in this single perspective, yeah. that when you find out at the end that you have been in the polar opposite perspective, mm-hmm. it is a beautiful sleight of hand yeah. and a real moment of maturity for Jordan Peele mm-hmm. with with this command of yeah. uh, cinematic language, but more so just a command on a track mm-hmm. that he places the viewer on a track with a character, with an object. I mean, get out. 
as a matter of perspective is flawless. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even in the first uh, scene of Get Out, which is not from the protagonist's perspective, it, that, that sense of command and seeing the world through someone else's... Yeah. Yeah. Also, a, a character's eyes. Yeah. It's flawless. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is, uh, in the first... From the very beginning of Us, his camera is... Who hug- would let that girl not be near you though did anyone not pick up on the fact um, that the parents are not great parents um are people saying that yeah that yes. was one of the big things was how did that girl get alone yeah where are her parents so i do want it's to- a horror movie well no no it is but it's, also it's more than that the- it's it's more than that her parents are fighting the dad wants yeah. to get another beer and the mom has to pee i don't know a single parent that doesn't have a my child was lost at the mall story of course like it's she absolutely the insane no, that but that it, was one of the criticisms it is the criticism and and i honestly I engage in this so much and it's something that I want to change about myself, but like talking about a film in opposition to a straw man is always the yes. least interesting way to talk about a movie. But I'm talking about the discourse. Yes. But I hate the discourse. I certainly but, do. But it. I do think that because Peel is so <laughs> locked into the character's perspective when she is walking down the boardwalk and into the funhouse, mm-hmm. that it seems as if the world around her has disappeared. Mm-hmm. Which leaves room for a criticism of someone would have grabbed her by the arm, yeah. but because the film is so sure-footed in the path it's walking, mm-hmm. it seems maybe oblivious. Yeah, which is a wrong read. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to understand. Yeah, it. I yeah. know. I, it's just stupid stupidity. Elizabeth Moss in this movie <laughs> is amazing. She is one of my best supporting so actress contenders. Winston Duke is hot, hot, hot and great. AF. The, mm-hmm. the way the way that he code switches with the family that first time he goes out to see them and is he's hysterical. Like, Another one of my favorite so criticisms. Funny. It is. One of my other favorite criticisms of the movie is Lupita's not even snapping on the beat That's the in point, the mo- in that moment when she's teaching the children. That's the point, bitch. Mm-hmm. Pe- wait. She's not a real Oh, yeah. So rewatching us, knowing once you know the twist, it enriches the movie. I I haven't watched it a second time. Maybe I'll do that this evening. I did it a second time recently. I just did it a second time. I haven't finished it yet. yet. I was going to watch the first Nightmare on Elm Street. Well, you realize tonight. I've never seen um, it. Okay, actually, quickly, spoilers. If you haven't seen us, Mm -hmm. skip ahead. Five. If you haven't four, seen us, three, kill two. yourself. <laughs> can't, can't, well, you can't cancel send, us. We're about to cancel ourselves. Send yourself on the Claire Denise <laughs> spaceship <laughs> to oblivion. Get, get out of here. We are gonna, you're gonna. Oh my God! The aeronauts and cats. They both. Jennifer end Hudson with is my favorite aeronaut. I have to say. Mm. Okay, put yourself. I was gonna say put yourself on the aeronaut balloon, but then I was like, no, put yourself on the cat balloon. So the mm. funniest. I already texted you guys this, but the funniest moment in my cat screening on that note is after Jennifer Hudson leaves it all on the field with oh, yeah, memory. Baby. I can't wait yeah. to watch this movie when I can watch it privately in my home. I, I don't. Did know you see Alamo's doing rowdy screening? I did. Which I think I'll go to. Yeah. But Jennifer if Hudson, you guys go to a rowdy screening, I would go. I think. Gen- but let's let's, do let's have a drink before we get there, so we don't have. So to... So you can just like keep. Yeah. And, and it'll be a night where you're like, can you bring me three drinks? <laughs> 
throughout the movie. Keep just, it coming. Yeah. Keep it coming. Like, I'll order them now. Yes. I bet they would do that for you. So I, you're allowed to do that there. Oh, really? Yeah. You are yeah, allowed yeah, yeah. to say. Just keep them coming. Yeah. You're allowed to say, yeah. like, I want three throughout the movie. Yeah. Bring them out. That is iconic. I'm yeah. taking the Metro home. <laughs> but so Jennifer Hudson finishes perhaps the most famous Broadway ballad of the 80s, mm-hmm. Memory. And these this wonderful group of young women behind me, one turns, I imagine turns, but says to her friend, not a dry eye in the house. <laughs> oh, that is rich Isn't commentary. That good? Isn't that good? Not a dry eye in the house. That sounds like something rich. that uh, yeah. like Kate Berlant would like to say. <laughs> Not a dry eye Not in the house. Not a dry eye in the house. I was so mm. incredulous watching Cat. Well, we're talking about us. We're, not, we're, ta- we're talking about rabbits here. Why isn't the Kate Berlant uh, John Early movie on this list? Oh, five, Rachel? Yes. Oh, oh. I Rachel f- is, I failed. Rachel is the horror movie of the Rachel year. Rachel is pure fucking cinema. It is. It's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. I've seen it several times. And you know that I've happened to them. I've seen the film them. three times mm-hmm. now. That happened. It to ends them. with well, a video it, which from is, the actual oh, movie. Chilling. Yes. Chilling. Chilling. Yes. The real cell phone footage yeah. of Rachel. Yes. I, and I say it all the time when I'm driving home, when I turn off of Hyperion onto Rowena. I live on Rowena. <laughs> I live on Rowena. <laughs> So good. Um, you want us to push forward? I have to pee. Oh, sure. Oh, yeah, go for I it. could you pee guys, too, so we can guys... just like take a break. Can we finish us? Yes. One minute. No, then then we can let's let's finish us. Yeah. Sorry, Brandon. Funny movie. <laughs> oh, I wanna I <laughs> that, wanna, can be, that can be the end of it. If you I want. want no, I wanna talk about the the house scene. Um Which, when they when you find out that every that the everybody Elis- has a everyone has a doppelganger, then they have to take down the other family. Uh-huh. Just as they go through that house, the two kids, yeah. and just plow down. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. It is. Well, and then you get that moment where Lupita has that blip of like, oh, she's the other. Uh-huh. So just uh, great stuff, and it's like, all set to that. Yes, to good vibrations Ophi- and, fu- and fuck the police. The, Ophelia, call the police. Animalistic qualities that Lupita brings to the the, the upstairs version. Yes. I don't know what you would call them the one that has lived in the world mm-hmm. the bourgeois yeah and when she comes out with this animal nature it's it's yeah. a staggering performance also when they're when the after they beat the shit out of a kill them all and they're mm. sitting there and they're just regrouping mm-hmm. yeah it is the most like um like what am i trying to say the, the most realistic thing that like a whole, where a horror movie where people go through a, yeah. a trauma like that and totally. then have to recollect. This is a horror movie that does it where I can actually believe. Don't they turn on the TV for a minute? Yeah, yeah. they watch the news and then That's they right. find out that the tethered are everywhere and the uh-huh. hands across America. Yeah, like but I, just them trying to recollect themselves is very. I, I believe I, it, yeah. even though it's a horror movie. I want to yeah. add something to what you're saying though about that second home invasion. This also applies to the first one, which is that. The bourgeois characters mm-hmm. are murdering tethers with totems of middle class comfort. Oh. It is a, or upper middle class. Yeah. Scissors? It, it is, no, 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 no. I'm saying the bourgeois, hold on, hold on to that thought for a second. They oh. are murdering them with golf clubs, mm-hmm. luxury boats, mm-hmm. geodes that probably cost $5,000. Right, 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 right. And it's, it, Do you have a geode? I have several geodes, but they did not cost five thousand. Hmm. They cost twenty dollars. Thank you very much. Gems. If anyone, if anyone wants to listen to my podcast, this rocks, which is about my gym collection. Uh, I will tell you all about how I got my my cut gems. Is that real? It will be, bitch. <laughs> I love rocks. 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 
Rocks, rocks, rocks. 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 But th- this film, I think, should be viewed in tandem with Parasite as films about class warfare. Now you got to pee. Yes. But when it comes to the have-nots being murdered by objects that could only belong to the haves, mm-hmm. again, in this That's beautifully really Buñuelian class comedy element yeah. with these objects, especially yeah. the luxury boat. Um, oh right, he like. Oh, it's, that's so good. Yeah. It's just I didn't even think about that. It's it, it, I just think it's beautiful. I, yeah. I, I think as an expression of of um, I mean we're par- we can talk this when we get to parasite, but we'll talk, Will we'll talk, we? we'll talk, we'll talk about if we get to parasite because mm. I know you have to pee. But um, I I find the the have have nots dynamic at the heart yeah. of this film maybe the most haunting theme in any movie of the year. Yeah, I stayed up all night when I finished Us, not because I was so scared by the home invasion element, which going in I thought was going to rattle me to my bones, but the implications of what the of the film's uh, socio-cultural message yeah. and what it's saying about inequality. And the We're Americans line is one of the best lines of the year. Yeah, The bait and switch of a film that's actually called U.S., <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea of Hands Across America, which was a futile effort made mm-hmm. for liberals to feel better about themselves. Right. Then using that as learned behavior mm-hmm. at the end. The, the fact that it had to take a middle-class savior mm-hmm. to unite the lower class because they didn't have the, literally didn't have the language to. Yeah. Which is not in a condescending gesture, but in a, in a matter of how fucked the poor are in this yeah. country of organizing. Mm-hmm. It's... It is scathing. It is a serrated fucking knife of class anger and brilliantly calculated yeah. Uh, yeah. expression of injustice it, it needs, economically in America. It needs to be in conversation with Parasite. It is unfortunate yeah. that As like, I was Parasite looking, has it's dominated It's literally a class that. warfare movie. Yeah. Right. As I was looking at the list the other day, I was like, it's crazy that we have two, not one, we have two, like, interrogations of upstairs downstairs warfare in the top five in just and presented in ways that have never been done mm-hmm. ever yep. two completely different ways that have never been done in film before yeah. ever yep it's very exciting i honestly could talk I, I, when i was driving here i yeah. was just having a conversation with myself about us mm-hmm. i think us is one of the most fun movies to talk about this year yeah. but we all have to pee so number five Peeing. jordan peele's us and um, we'll take... And we have three movies, four movies left that you probably have no idea what they are because we, we haven't... Never ta- know. We have We have we not talked about them. all four of them, about, on them on this podcast and the other one from Nor the other day. Nor have we talked about them in conversation with one another <laughs> as works of excellence. Yeah, so you will never guess what, what top the top four, four are. The question is, what's the order of the top That's four? That's true. <gasps> it probably question. will not shock you. <laughs> Maybe. Wow. Okay, mm. let's take a bathroom break. If you've seen my list, you know the order. <laughs> Bathroom break, bathroom break. Our number four film of the year is Greta Gerwig's wondrous adaptation of Little Women. Little Women. My women, little. My waters, dark. My sadness, taken out of context. My gems, uncut. Uncut. I still, I I never was able to tweet this joke, so I'm going to say it on the Let's bring it. Yes. Twinks from Europe be like uncut femmes. <laughs> Thank you for that. Thank you. I think the toilet is major, running. Let me fix that. Work. Yeah, the toilet is running after that joke. Uh, oh, boy. So yeah. number little four women. is Little Women. My Little Women. Oh, my God. I don't know where to begin here. Neither do I because per- I'm going to start crying. 
I think that every frame, every scene in this film is packed with so much life that it moved me to tears constantly throughout mm-hmm. the entire thing. Uh-huh. Has anyone and- tweeted a screenshot of Sersha on fire with Portrait of a Lady on Fire 2019? I think so. Or I would hope so. It seems like low-hanging fruit, but just I'm not on the internet anymore. Someone did... Someone did... Um, oh, no. Someone took a screenshot of Amy burning... Joe's novel, Mm -hmm. and then a screenshot of the bear costume on fire and being like, the year of Florence Pugh taking revenge Mm. with flame. Via fire. True. I guess the place to start is with the structure. Mm -hmm. But what what I'll say about the structure... Which makes the story of Little Women tolerable for the first cinematic time. I (laughs) literally thought you were about to say, which made Little Women taller than all... All oh. over all the other over adaptations. Here's why I think. No, it's I'm not great. clever. Here's you very clever. Thank you. I think it's great because of how it reorganizes the tension in the movie. Mm-hmm. We know 15 minutes in that Laurie and Joe do not end up together. Mm-hmm. We therefore mm-hmm. eliminate any question of whether they will. So when you see them dancing, when you see yeah. their friendship blossoming, you already know that it's not going to end up in this sort of platonic ideal of how a romance is supposed to end Mm -hmm. you instead view joe and laurie as a friendship but that's sort of beside the point you invest so much deeper by straddling across time periods Mm -hmm. in the relationships between the sisters that becomes the driving force of the movie yes their relationships their love their care their animosity at Mm -hmm. times not who's going to end up with who yeah Yeah. what's going to happen to meg Mm -hmm. (laughs) where's beth I think it's absolutely beautiful that Greta has reclaimed Amy with this movie, who is astonishing. Who is the villain. Not in this sensibly. Not in this film. And by being able to start with her as a mature adult and not the bratty bangs child. But even with the bratty bangs child, Mm -hmm. we see through Florence Pugh's performance and through just the blocking, the Mm -hmm. the staging or whatever, where she puts Amy in the frame and in the group. That Amy is desperate to have some attention on her, not because she's vain, mm-hmm. not because she can't share the spotlight, but mm-hmm. because Joe is constantly hogging it. Yeah. You understand Amy's point of view so much more clearly mm-hmm. yep. through the direction in this mm-hmm. film, yep. even as the bratty child. And then, yes, when you see her in uh, France at the beginning of the of film, we see how practical she is. Mm-hmm. But we also see that she aspires to greatness. Mm-hmm. And it's not that she's a bad artist and it's not that she's a bad writer, but she has one of the more enviable work ethics of anybody in the fucking movie. Yeah. You know? Something that Amy Taubin says on the Film Comment podcast <laughs> about this is that it's it's really... her. She was on the tirade about how Amy is a Republican. Mm-hmm. But, <laughs> but she was I like... I want to share my favorite part of that after you. But she was like, as she has conservative ideas about art and we're in the point where it's impressionist and she just realizes that's not me Mm -hmm. and that's okay. And it hurts, but it's, she's going to move on. I admire that about Amy. I do too. It's not that she's a phony is that she knows her limitations and she knows where her greatness lies and it's not there. Mm -hmm. My favorite thing that Amy Talbot says, she, cause this continual refrain about how Amy is a Republican, Mm -hmm. but she only brings it up when somebody starts to celebrate Florence Pugh's performance (laughs) And so one of the other people on the podcast, I don't remember if, which one it is, says like, okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. To be clear, I don't understand. Are you saying that Florence Pugh is a Republican or are you <laughs> saying, and Amy goes, no, 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 no. I'm saying that the character that she is playing is clearly a Republican. Pause. 
and that she plays it very well. <laughs> she says too well. She, too, yeah, that she plays it too well. <laughs> it, it's brilliant. Uh, Amy, our legend. Um, not to pit two Lauren Derns against Laura Derns against each other, right? But Laura Dern I'm and Little Mar- Women. Laura Dern Mar- gives, I think, One. the best performance in this movie. Um, yeah, she does. I disagree, but Marmy is not a substantial character. One might say boring. In any of the other versions of this story. And Laura Dern brings her to life effortlessly with that scene of I'm angry every day of my mm-hmm. life. Oh, my God. And it puts um, who yeah. Marmy is into such perspective. It's because she adds conflict to Marmy. Mm-hmm. Yes. And as I said, I think on our last episode, which I love saying, mm. it's, it's as much a testament to Gerwig as it is Dern. Yeah. Because that's not necessarily a believable moment to me mm-hmm. in, in the hands of a lesser performer. Right. This paragon of goodness, of charity and goodwill, and a bounty of love, at all, giving a bounty of love at all times, says, I'm angry all the time. That feels to me like it could be a cheap attempt to add a new layer to a character yeah. unless, you knew, and we to, believe unless it, you knew how to deliver the Because line. that's who Laura Dern is in her life. It's very clear that Laura Dern as a human being is choosing... To be nice, but that yeah. that is not her natural yeah. disposition, and that's what enlightenment we, is all about. Yeah, and is even, that she's such an angry person. Even before Laura Dern says that line, you see it on her face. Yeah, Christmas morning, she walks in the door, but she she prepare. You watch her prepare uh-huh. herself to have to say to, to, to say to say good morning, girls. Like she like revs herself up mm-hmm. to like put that on. No, it's the person doing the emotional labor in the March household. Yeah. yeah. It's a layered, complex, nuanced, mm, fabulous performance. Um, in terms of structure, it gets crystallized in that Beth scene, the parallel. Yeah. The, the quick cuts of the running down the stairs mm-hmm. to seeing, oh, she's better. And then the slow it's... descent to seeing that she's. That is one of the <clears throat> cinematic moments of the year. The yes. sequence, the Beth, the, how the Beth storylines yeah. collide. The first bout with illness, and then the final bout with illness. Mm-hmm. Gerwig is allowing Beth to live while she dies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but also, which is the power only in cinema can you do that? Mm-hmm. I think on the podcast, on the film comment podcast, someone said like that she her her imagination is in filmic language. That was Amy. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that she she does not have literary ideas. No, she, 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 she she's ideas. a born artist, but it doesn't mean that like that. That's fairly that's like a facile thing to say. It's not specific. Mm-hmm. It, she is a born filmmaker, mm-hmm. but she understands that even so. There are scenes after Beth dies in the current timeline where Beth is still alive. Mm-hmm. It would be a choice to allow Beth to continue to be on screen. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's the wrong choice. But I do think the smarter choice is just the for the audience to know that she is at Meg's wedding. She's right. in the background. It's so respectful to the character to let her die yeah. in a way that the rise of Skywalker didn't grasp mm. when dealing with mm. General mm. Leia. Mm. It is far more respectful to let I'm someone angry die every day. <laughs> but it's it's transcendent to me that that yeah. Beth, yeah. Beth lives and dies at the same moment, and that sort of encapsulates That's the entire structural uh, modus operandi of mm. the film. Oh yeah. The idea the idea that past oh, yeah. versions of ourselves present and future are all coalescing in the same moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're barely here. Yeah. We're barely here. We're like Dr. Manhattan. So the tension should they, the, the tension you. should not be on a will they won't they romance. The tension should be on how we feel about ourselves, how we treat others and our relationships and yeah. our work. Mm-hmm. 
because this film is also a wonderful exploration of ambition. Yeah. Of the yeah. writing process. The ending, obviously. Yeah. Encapsulates that. It's the the tension is also with Joe's art. Uh, that, that we start in the scene. I, I love the opening shot of this film. She's bracing herself to go into mm-hmm. the publisher's office, right? Mm-hmm. It colors everything. If the movie, and this is not a dig at any of the other Little Women films or the book, but when the film... I'll dig at them. Go for it. But my, my, my point is like... By pun, I've never seen one. You, you sort of... It, it can be easy to miss the point, I think, mm-hmm. if you're looking at this story in a linear fashion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, the, 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 the not-to-be romance between Laurie and Joe mm-hmm. is what drives a lot of the story here. Mm-hmm. But it's not the story. No. I also think that by... You, you see Amy and Laurie together before you see Joe and Laurie together. Right. Yeah. Another way that Amy no longer becomes the villain. Yeah. I, lo- what, oh, I want to go back to Laura Dern's performance. My favorite note in it is... is yeah, I have one thing to say about yeah. Laura. What, probably my favorite note in Laura Dern's performance in giving us Marmee is when Laurie has returned to Massachusetts, mm-hmm. he has that moment with Joe in the attic. Mm-hmm. The last time we were in the attic, Joe is telling Marmee... Like, I don't want women to be defined by who they marry. I want women to be defined by their dreams and hopes, but I'm so lonely. If Lori were to ask me again, I would say yes. Of course, I would say yes. So Marmy knows, and Marmy probably expects that to happen. And when Lori and Amy return together, Marmy has to both be happy for Amy Uh and express sympathy for Joe. And Laura Dern does it when Joe comes down the stairs and she looks at her and gives this sort of note of, are you okay? Uh Uh-huh. And as soon as she sees that she's okay, she's able to then be mother in this other aspect. Yeah. She does that, that also when Amy runs up to be like, Aunt Meryl. Aunt, Mar- Aunt March. <laughs> is is taking me, me to Paris. Yes. Mm-hmm. Laura does yes. the same movement. She mm-hmm. looks over at Joe like, are you okay? Okay, I'm happy for you, yeah. Amy. And I want to talk about that uh, as well in the beginning when you see that Amy is in Paris with Aunt March. We know right. that even though 20 minutes later she tells Joe, like, you're my favorite, you're the uh-huh. one I'm going to take. We know it'll never happen. So we're not framing Joe's journey on this escapade to Europe. Yeah. Therefore, we focus so much deeper on Joe in the present tense with her passions and with her relationships, uh, her platonic relationships, I mean, um, rather than feeling that flight of fancy. And I'm not saying that it's invalid to think that, to, to think as an audience that that's what she aspires to do. And then we see her recover from being denied that. But yeah. I think it is far more compelling to not care about the distractions in this story and really yeah. care about the characters, ambitions and psychologies mm-hmm. yeah. and feelings for not romantic feelings, but feelings for one another. Yeah. And the ending of this film is tremendous. Yeah. Uh, the score we haven't even talked about oh, the score the story between a woman and her book mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. her yeah um, say what you were gonna say about oh, Laura Laura Dern uh, crying over Beth is a very specific sort of crying that is only able to be read as my child is dead and that is a testament to Laura Dern as a performer that that's different than any other crying I would have to agree and that she's just a, she is a mom mm-hmm like, Laura Dern just embodies that mm-hmm. in her. I agree completely. Gerwig is celebrated as, like, a humanist, as someone who loves people. Mm-hmm. I think that that can also, on the flip side of that coin, be sort of a slight that she does so at the expense of greater cinematic aspiration. Mm-hmm. Or, that, or that she probably couldn't handle... I mean, this is... I'm saying this very deliberately, but... 
yeah, she, she, the characters are having a lot of fun on screen, but she probably couldn't shoot a battle sequence, right. is what some Academy member might be thinking. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But when you watch the dance sequences in this film and the sequences of, I mean, the way that she films romance, mm-hmm. it's just as impactful. And I find that the opening dance sequence when in the present tense, just to be thrilling, the way, the way she's moving that camera, the way she sets up the scene with the wide shot, mm-hmm. the way that she's framing the bodies in the frame, mm-hmm. stupid way to say it, and also with the Timothy Chalamet crashing the ball, that scene too, that, it, that it's far less romantic, it's far more, the camera's located on the ground, which makes it all the more humiliating when he yeah. makes that scene. Like she knows mm-hmm. exactly where to put the camera. Mm-hmm. It has. It, it's not just that she loves people's faces. It's right. she understands environment. She understands texture and tone and tension. And mm-hmm. I'm. We're so lucky to be living in this. Like in the, in the, the golden age of, age of Greta, of Jordan Peele and Greta Gerwig. It's oh yeah. Because they'll, they'll always be tied wish. together because of Get Out and Lady. I Richard. just right. wish that Greta would act as well. I know that she's on this maybe. journey, but maybe. She will. Maybe she is. She, will. she is living through the movies. I mean, just the post Barbie. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> There's that beautiful symmetry of Lady Bird and also in Little Women when Joe and Lady Bird are walking through New York for the first time when she gets mm-hmm. off the subway and when she's going to the boarding house at the end of mm-hmm. Little Women. Mm-hmm. I, there's a singularity to that that I just find beautiful, and maybe yeah. it's just like jerking off for me in an tourist way. But you also can loop that back to Francis Ha. Greta is someone who went to New York. Exactly. Yeah. Is, as in like it, the reverence in so her own life. I bring that it. up only to say the reason I thought of it was what you said. I'd love to see her act in a movie again. I think that is her acting in a movie again. Yeah. Is putting her story on screen in that way. Yeah. Yeah. It's just so intimate. Her filmmaking is so intimate mm-hmm. and epic as well in mm-hmm. this one. Yes. Should we move on? That's Little Women, yeah. number four. That's Little Women. Um, what's number three? Here you go, Brandon. Oh, my God. If you hadn't had eight goddamn whiskey sours last <laughs> night. <laughs> I don't like names like sour. Like princess puss. Isn't it pumpkin puss? Pumpkin puss. <laughs> but I can see you're upset, so we'll talk about that another time. <laughs> I have the movie memorized. Uh, you've Excellent. seen it. I've seen the film now thrice. I've seen it, I've seen quad, it twice. Quadrant twice. Safes. <laughs> okay, number three is Quentin Tarantino's ninth film, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Where is the ellipsis? <laughs> Nobody knows. Okay, Where is it? This movie is IMO, Quentin Tarantino's most personal film. Mm. You can you can just get a sense of his love of of Hollywood history, mm-hmm. just the radio constantly being on all the tr- all the it's it's the new Bev. It's what he's done at the new Beverly mm-hmm. in a movie, mm-hmm. and I just think that is so deeply moving that he get, he's sharing this with us. He's like mm-hmm. enjoy this with me, yeah. and then the rewriting of Sharon Tate's history is it's so, deeply moving, so moving. Um, it's it's also fucking hilarious. Mm-hmm. It is a an amazing just hangout movie. And also it's, it's terrifying. Yes. It's also terrifying. The Spawn Ranch sequence mm-hmm. is harrowing. Mm-hmm. Brad Pitt gives his best well, he's always giving his best performance. L- Leo is also giving his best performance since I don't know, some other movie. Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, probably since, probably Wolf, of since Wall Wolf of Wall Street. And then Brad Pitt's giving he's his best one, performance. He's had one movie in between. Let's just 
Oh, right. And then Brad Pitt's giving his best performance <laughs> since Ad Astra. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, this came and out that before Ad Astra. So. so since Moneyball? Yeah. yeah. Um, since 12 the- Years a Slave. <laughs> I love that he gave himself that role like, as the producer. Oh, God, yeah. Brad. Iconic. I love Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It is like, it is getting up there as one of my fave Tarantino yeah. toes. Tarantinis. Tarantinis. What is that? Tarantinis. Tarantini toes. It, well, it's it's not Quentin Tarantulatino, but that's mm. what I would have. I think it's Quentin Tarantula on mm. Bojack Horseman, but I think Tarantulatino is funnier. It cute. should be Tarantulatino. Tarantula, tarantula. <laughs> I think that's um, cute. Julia Butters is incredible. Oh, she? The child? Mm-hmm. Child. Yeah. Um, God, the, this movie just. What is she reading? Rips. Biography on Walt Disney? Yeah. Yes. So that's a good seg. If I can jump in mm. here. I do think it's Tarantino's most personal film. I think it's his most generous film. But I want to talk about why I think that is beyond just the scopophilic pleasure of driving a car down Sunset Boulevard and seeing the colors and the signage and Mm -hmm. the Hollywood stars right and left. And the Walt Disney biography is a great place to jump in. Mm. Walt Disney's not a good man. Right. Everybody knows this. Mm -hmm. Quentin Tarantino knows this. Mm -hmm. Not a good guy. And yet he has written the story of Hollywood, the story of American animation in a way that has been glossed over with a level of nostalgia mm-hmm. that is completely uninterrogated. I think that this is his most personal film because he's also reckoning with his influences. Mm-hmm. The idea that while these guys are fun to hang out with, they are pieces of shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The one guy might have killed his wife. He, yep. re- he relates to their obsolescence and their, dis- their disappearing place from the world himself, but mm-hmm. in a far more generous way that also extends to the problematic elements mm-hmm. of what he adores. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's all in this text. Yep. Mm-hmm. And no one's fucking talking about it, and it's driving me insane. Yeah. I know. The movie opens with shots from Bouncy Law, mm-hmm. the Western serial that Rick Dalton, Leonardo DiCaprio stars. And the scenes are of extreme violence. People being mowed down with guns in the middle of a main street mm-hmm. in sort of canted angles meant to make it look really cool, yeah. but it's undeniably grotesque. Yeah. And Tarantino makes it a little bloodier and a little more exaggerated than those serials would have had. Right. Nonetheless, that's the influence, right? That's his influence, where it all goes back. This mode of American heroism, mm-hmm. violence as catharsis, violence as justice... That's Bounty Law as a show is all about that, right? It, it's where's justice? Is it is it in is it in the justice system or is it in killing a bad guy in the middle of the street because there's a bounty on his head? The end of the film. Oh, and then there's all of this stuff in between that I could extend to that, but I don't want to go on forever. The end of the film, where Cliff Booth and Rick Dalton murder these Manson acolytes. Mm-hmm. Yes, it, it is a jolt of catharsis in a movie that has been waiting for an eruption of violence. Uh-huh. It is also, again, the most grotesque presentation of violence Tarantino has ever put on screen. Mm-hmm. And that is very intentional. Mm-hmm. He knows that you're waiting to satisfy this bloodlust. There's a, sorry to interrupt. No. There's a, on the TV, there's a guy present and he says, and the moment you've all been waiting for, he literally says that right before the movie. That's really funny. As an o- it is all a commentary on the audience's desire for bloodlust yeah. and where it comes from. Mm-hmm. 
it's a bit of having cake and eating it too. Mm-hmm. I also am ultimately on the side of they did kill Sharon Tate and whether or not they killed Sharon Tate in this version of the story. Right. I ultimately don't have too much of a problem with this presentation it's of violence on the screen. It's still attempted murder. Exactly. That's the other yeah. piece of it. But it's not just shooting Nazis in the face mm-hmm. until they become putty, which is meant to make you laugh as much as... And that's also about presentations of on-screen yeah. violence. But he has never wanted an audience to reckon with the entertainment aspect of it like this before. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the fact that Dalton breaks out the flamethrower from 14 Fists of McCluskey, itself a tool of on-screen violence, mm-hmm. to massacre mm-hmm. this girl, or yeah, to <laughs> obliterate this woman who's already going to die, yeah. it's total overkill. Mm-hmm. And yet you are still waiting for that piece of punctuation in the sequence. So I have no problem with the violence in this film because yeah. I don't think it's meant to be simply enjoyed. No, right. it's not. It's in the text and that you're meant to be shocked. I don't like, think this is a celebration of white man's Hollywood. No. In the very beginning, you have Cliff Booth saying to Rick Dalton, don't cry in front of the Mexicans. Yes. Is that a laugh line? Are we meant to agree with them on that? Mm-hmm. Obviously not. Yeah. The film is not, the film actually is going it's out of its way to include moments like that. Mm-hmm. I think the film understands that it's far more honest to present a white man's Hollywood as it was yeah. rather than try and include like more non-white characters as main characters because he's in a way damning the system that he loves. I agree. Yeah. That's what the movie's about. Mm-hmm. So It reminds me of a uh, Sophia movie. Yeah. Just like what Sophia's doing with her Marie entire Antoinette. career. Yeah. And this, you can't show the world that you're trying to show and also fabricate it to look nicer. Yes. Like it just, this is what it was. And these men were absolutely racists. Mm -hmm. There's no, like, let and so let's just put it in the movie. Yeah. And that's just how it is. And you are not, I think the problem is, like the, the thing that's lobbed at Scorsese all the time is that the film does not, moralize and it does not tell you which way to feel about it Mm -hmm. but it's there and it is for you to think critically about it yep and the fact that the film is also a lot of fun is again making this point Mm -hmm. that it is fun yeah Yeah. but it's not it's not 100% right right it's also a very moving portrait of male friendship Mm -hmm. even though they're between bad guys which has sort of been Tarantino's whole thing going all the way back to Reservoir Dogs Mm -hmm. yeah in terms of presenting unsavory characters who he makes you like Mm -hmm. and it's not in a three billboards way where we're looking for redemption for the racist you know it's it's a he gives them a complex portraiture as a character and and that you have to go ahead go ahead I mean just giving giving Sharon that moment at the end yeah i mean that's the, the pearly gates that's the movie yeah mm-hmm. it, it, it's it, when she you hear her voice over the intercom i get a, a lump in my yeah. heart like every time yeah, and is. like you said with not showing beth after she has died i think it's very powerful that we don't see her again we hear her mm-hmm. but it's it and is we, a don't much we, more we see her head like well, the, the, top the, of her the head camera the starts oh, to lift oh, up. Oh, right, she right. Comes she comes out. outside. We're looking from heaven. Yeah. It's an overhead yes. shot. Right. You don't We're see her face. It's yeah. not don't see Margot face. Robbie who comes down to see what just happened. No. It's Emile Hirsch. Yeah. Right. And it's. And she's kept. It's it's, it's so the moving. dead speak. Yeah. The dead speak. The, the dead, dead speak. Yeah. Wow. But I I mean I also um, 
I think this is an immaculately directed picture in the micro mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, the details. The incredible sequence of Brad Pitt just preparing dinner for him and his dog. Mm-hmm. Insane. That's where my mind went, too. The yeah. singularity continues. Uh-huh. I mean, just the direction and editing and the detail, the mm-hmm. minor stuff. You- I tweeted about this, but on my second watch, the detail that I loved so much in the direction is after the montage at the end of the film, what's happened in Italy, uh-huh. and we learn that Rick and Cliff are parting ways. Uh-huh. We see Rick in first class with his wife, and then we cut to Cliff in the back, not from straight on, because there's not room in coach to convert uh-huh. the camera to get in between there, but in profile... And he is fixing his bottomless Bloody Mary. Clearly, he's trying to get nice and drunk on this plane because once he lands in LA, he'll have tonight. And then he has the rest of his life he has to figure out without a meal yep. ticket. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, the person in the seat in front of him reclines. Yep. And, and like boxes him in uh-huh. even further. It's so good. And it's funny, but it's it is a visual, it's a visual piece of punctuation yeah. on that entire montage yeah. in terms of where Cliff is now headed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is complete, he's backed into a corner. This is completely unrelated, but when he's he's had he smoked the acid dipped cigarette, mm. and then he dumps the dog food out, and it splats, and he goes, "Whoa!" whoa, whoa. <laughs> I love that. I love it. Uh, incredible! It is an incredible go. movie, and I loved it even more the second time. It, it, it's it, the, the driving scenes, just the private reveries of every character mm-hmm. that he gives weight and space to those in such mm-hmm. a long movie. Like the dog food scene, like mm-hmm. when, uh, like Sharon and uh, he who shall not be named driving in their convertible mm-hmm. to the Playboy Mansion. Mm-hmm. It's. I wonder if maybe this is getting too regional, but I do. I'm very moved as an Angelino that yeah. this movie carves out time to be in your car. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Next. Have fun on your adventure. What? What is that? Oh, the line? Yeah. Oh yeah, and how hitchhiking was like. Yeah, because they oh my God. and you see Sharon just like completely bond with this person. Uh, she's to the point where she glorious. says, "Have fun on your adventure." Yeah, she's talking it's the beautiful. whole drive with the hitchhiker. Uh, beautiful. And I I love have fun on your adventure. Have fun on your adventure. I, I like that that is a private moment for Sharon that mm-hmm. we don't get in the car with her and hear it, but it's not as if it's not happening. Right. It's allowing Sharon Tate privacy mm-hmm. <laughs> within the movie. Yeah. When we as a culture have never allowed Sharon Tate, let alone many actresses, these private moments in the pop culture. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, That's another mm -hmm. way this film is generous. It's also like his best portrait of middle age since Jackie Brown. Oh, look Mm. at Cam on the the carpet of the Globes. Oh, Oh, is Cam at the Globes? Yeah! Fellow film fag Cameron Sheets is yeah, at the Globes. Yeah, look at Sorry, I'm scrolling Looking good, Cam. Oh, I guess now I know why his... Boyfriend texted me, what are you doing for the Golden Globes? Because he's bored. <laughs> and I was like, oh, nothing. I'm just going to stay home. On the carpet. <laughs> what about it? Oh, speaking of Globes, it's almost three o'clock. Um, they don't start till... They, they start at five. I unless know, you but watch I have that. to get home. I have yeah. to finish. All I'm, right. I'm building chairs right well, let's now. Let's go to number two. Everyone's looking at me. Number Definitely two. You. Number two is Bong Joon-ho's Parasite. The second the city is on fire with Parasite they fever, are. baby. Everyone loves. <laughs> Parasite has wiggled its way into the host of Hollywood. Do you remember when and we, now it's calling the shots. When we went to the Joan Crawford triple feature yes, for Halloween, there was a like a commercial for 
I don't remember uh, some bad movie during Straight Jacket. Oh, before you yeah, had like the trailers. And, yeah, yeah. And there was uh, of a of and like just interviewing people. Oh my god! And that's what that reminded me of. And I, someone is like, it was for William Castle. Mr. Hitchcock had better watch out. <laughs> it was for William Castle films. <laughs> yes. Yeah. There you go. Sorry. Yes. I think I might have stepped on your toes there. No, it's fine. Yeah. But it's just like it's everyone's talking about parasite. <laughs> this town's got parasite fever, baby. <laughs> Parasite. If you remember when Parasite came out and they were like, don't let anybody spoil Parasite. Uh-huh. For you. Don't spoil the Parasite. I think it was do very not, good about not spoiling do it for not, anyone. Do not. So. Yeah, don't listen if you haven't so, seen Parasite. If you haven't seen Parasite, skip on forward. You, you should send yourself into a balloon and go away. Skip it out. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna exercise some self-control and not give the dialogue for what they're doing in that balloon. <laughs> But it oh, does involve it for, bloomers. It was for the movie <laughs> Homicidal by yeah. William Castle. Mm-hmm. Hitchcock better watch his back. <laughs> How do you feel about William Castle, Ben? I've only—I think I've only seen the one movie, but I really liked it. I right, will have to talk about it. Was a fun movie. Parasite. <laughs> what a picture! The second time this year that I thought, "Wow, there will not be a movie better than this," and it, and then there was, and then there was. So, Parasite. <laughs> What the fuck is there to say? There's a lot to say. Everything. <laughs> Song Kang Ho it, it, it deserves his it best is supporting actor best Oscar actor. nom. It is one of the flawless films. He's being of the campaigned year. and yes. supporting officially. I know, but I, I give him lead. It is one of film. the most entertaining films of the year. Yes, and it in 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 years in years, and it is so exciting to watch a movie. That both makes you feel, I have no idea what's going to happen next. And then once you've seen it, you think there's no other way it that was this inevitable. could have gone. There's, this is, right. like... And that you're resting in safe hands for all of it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like, he, this movie crystallizes what he's been doing his whole career. I always it, get with, very upset With his own genre. When the camera's in the wrong spot at the wrong time. And I never have that fear in this movie. The camera's no. always where it should be. Mm-hmm. Every time. It's the right shot. Every time going down that staircase, I want to talk about maybe the shot of the year. Mm-hmm. That, that that's my meme this this episode. Mm, <laughs> perhaps the shot of perhaps the movie moment of the year. Uh, perhaps Margot Robbie watching Sharon Tate. Perhaps the movie moment of the year. But I want to talk about this film as entertainment mm-hmm. because it does something so masterful in my opinion, which is it is a film about inequality. It's a film about capitalism. It's a film about class. It's a film about the inescapability of the caste system. Mm-hmm. So the way that the film ends is on a note of depression. Yeah. You know, a note of deflation. It is a it's an acceptance of the fact that no matter how hard you work in a system where you have to work in order to get ahead, no matter how much you apply yourself, you will never get the thing that you most desperately want mm-hmm. in this world, which is to reunite with your father. Yeah. But how it does a film that refuses catharsis offers so much catharsis throughout yeah that is not a fun film you that that should you should not you should not leave a theater exuberant like you do after parasite yeah yeah when it ends on that note and the reason why is because each of these sequences throughout the film these men these uh the film in miniature like the peach sequence for instance 
The, each of those moments ends on climax. This movie has 20 climaxes, yeah, 20 right. births of catharsis. Yeah. So that it, 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 it doesn't fool you. It doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't take the easy way out by saying yeah, everything's fucked, but at least you had fun. It, how, it, it, just as a mode of entertainment, the way that it doesn't shy away from the reality of this situation, which is that the Kims are fucked. They will yeah. always be fucked. They will never get what they want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The parks will be fine. Mm-hmm. The rich will be fine. The poor will continue to eat shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yet it's like the most fun movie of the year. Yeah. The, um, without, without dampening that message at the right. end. The, the line I think about a lot is when um, the mom is in the car and he's driving her and it, the rain has just happened uh-huh. and their home is destroyed and they yep. spent the night in a gym. Mm-hmm. And she says to her friend, because they're planning their nice little party, she's like, oh, the rain is so great. It's so clear today. It's mm-hmm. so yeah. nice. Mm-hmm. And you Would see I... Song Kang-ho's face and yeah. you're like, he's going to... Similar to that, I think about how... Their their son's teepee tent was more indestructible than yep. their home. Their entire home. their home, that entire, yeah. not just their home, but all those all homes. those homes. all that. It's important to think about the final shot of the movie. What's going on outside the window of the semi basement, which is that it is snowing. Mm. Winter is coming, mm-hmm. and it's going to be a long, hard winter. Yeah, and the house is not going to flood, but the house is going to freeze. Yeah, you know. Um, I also think about this movie's score. A lot. Oh yeah, and it's Excellent. not shortlisted for score, which is offensive. It's kind of wild. Um, the score that plays during the rain when they finally escape the parks, uh-huh. um, and they have to you you watch them the descend. descend. descend another descent, and and Two. that shot of the sun's feet just getting rushed with, with the, the rainwater, yeah. and that score playing. It's like this warbly, like sad devastatingly sad music as a matter of production design and just maximalism which i love especially in a movie that takes place in basically three locations that you can call it maximalist yeah not only do they descend all of those stairs which is itself obviously a metaphor but they run they keep going until they are at the dead end of the alley yeah (laughs) where they're living slightly below the ground it is a Marvel of production design. Something that I haven't heard anyone talk about with this movie is its relation to Akira Kurosawa's High and Low. Mm. And I, and oh, I, right. And I wonder if people are like worried that Bong Joon-ho is Korean and Akira Kurosawa is Japanese and people will be called racist if they bring this up, even though clearly that movie was an influence when on this movie. When you talk about spaces of class and, like, and high and low. The movie is literally called High and Low because the rich people live on the mountain and the poor people live down below and the sun is obsessed with American Indian culture. Like Really? Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Okay. Yes. Like, I have to like watch It's this. very explicit in that this is an homage to High and Low. Well, and also wow. in terms of domestic space and High mm-hmm. and Low, the contrast between the rich family whose kid has been kidnapped mm-hmm. and then once the once Toshiro Mifune hits the streets, mm-hmm. just the, the color palette, the cramped nature in the second half of the film versus the expanse and like sunken couches, yeah. I think. Yeah. In, yeah, yeah. in High and Low. It's been mm-hmm. 10 years since I've seen that movie. Um using space to explore class like that mm-hmm. and using domestic space. Yeah. Um, definitely and, on the same level. And just like the amount of space that the rich people have mm-hmm. and just how much dead air there is in their beautiful modern home compared to when you see the kidnapper's apartment for the first time and it's just like towers of paper and like there's one room and he barely has room to sit down. Mm-hmm. It's, I love dark waters. Uh, mm, true. 
masterful. Anyway, yes, the Kira Kurosawa movie High and Low is masterful. Yes. Now on you Criterion heard it here channel. first. I've been meaning to watch it. You should. Since seeing Parasite. Iconic film. Gotta see it. We have talked about Barry Jenkins as a symphonic, a symphonic filmmaker, and I think mm-hmm. that you have to extend that to Bong Joon-ho as well. And I think I would in all of his films, even though I think this is his best film, maybe next to Memories of... No, this is better than Memories of Murder. I think it's his best film, and it's the most fully realized, this symphony of mm-hmm. tone mm-hmm. and sequences that... If you take the peach sequence versus the couch to basement yeah. to imitating North Korean news anchor mm-hmm. <laughs> sequence. Mm-hmm. Not in the same movie, but they take place in the exact same space. The way that this all blends together and feels all a piece of the same whole. Yeah. It is a matter of orchestration that forces you to call Bong Joon-ho a maestro. Mm-hmm. Talk about your best supporting actress winner. Lee Jong-un. Mm-hmm. Who, who plays, plays Moon Guang, the housekeeper, She's is the possibly one of my best performance in Parasite mm-hmm. and the best supporting actress of the year. Mm-hmm. Yes. And yes. I, 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 I'm going to... I'll talk about it in a way that is also extensive to every character in the film. The costuming is important in this film for a variety of reasons, but one is that the way that it mingles with performance, mm-hmm. which is that every character stands up a little bit straighter when they're in the rich people's clothes. Uh-huh. Every character relaxes a little bit looser when they're, when they're in the rich person's clothes. You think about it in the beginning of the film, they're sitting on the floor, they're cross-legged, they're folding the pizza boxes, they're hunched, their yeah. brows are furrowed. You know, their skin, their complexion is muddier. Yeah. And just, the, just, just being in, holding the illusion through material object of the wealthy improves your health like an iron, as yeah. the mother character says. And it, it completely changes the way you treat others, which I love the detail of um, the family going to eat at the pizza restaurant that they were working for at the right. beginning of the film. Mm-hmm. And I love I, such a funny throwaway detail. You don't even see the server in the shot and they just throw the pizza onto the table because yeah. of the class resentment there, right? Yeah. But by taking that person out of the frame, you are actually in the headspace of the characters now that they have obtained some wealth. Yeah. The service worker is completely irrelevant to them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Whereas earlier in the film, every other person who's not in the family, you see them in full, in the frame. Oh, yeah. It's it's just a beautiful distillation of that idea. And when it comes to Lee Jong-un, we're talking about someone who plays like the heights of sophistication at the beginning of the film. Yes. And then the depths of desperation. She becomes a completely end. different, completely person. different character, physically, mm-hmm. emotionally, body, face. Yep, it's so tight, composed, and controlled in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And then you think about her trying to open the bookshelf in the basement yeah. at the bottom. Oh my god! When you hear her struggling, and then it takes so long to finally pan over to see what the fuck she's yeah. doing. That reveal of her body horizontally in yeah. the yes. air and it's not- is and when shocking. she turns around and asks the mom, like, Are you, "Do you want to come with me?" or whatever, she ends up asking is the most unsettling moment of any it's movie. So this year. scary. Yeah. It is, uh, it's not just... An and she's ex- asking the audience. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the camera decides for us. Uh-huh. It's not just a matter of contrast at different points in the movie. It's how she changes, how she just glides effortlessly between them. 
when she captures the Kims on her phone and then she is the captain now, yeah. when she is on top of her husband giving the back massage, imitating the North Korean news anchor, which is one of the funniest moments of the film, mm. and just domineering over the family, yeah. she got the power back in, fu- in a minute. Yeah. And no, in a second, she got mm-hmm. all the power back. Mm-hmm. And I do think that the, the peach sequence is one of the strongest stretches of filmmaking of the year. Yeah. It is a perfect film in miniature. Mm-hmm. The only reason you're also morally conflicted about it is because of Lee's performance. Right. And that the sequence ends on her carrying her luggage down to the end of the street mm-hmm. and you feel terrible for her. Yeah. And it's only then, not when they, not, not when the, uh, pe- the, the, the server at the pizza restaurant is out of frame, not when they're, you know, manipulating this terrible family. It's only when they attack one of their own, mm-hmm. when it comes, they're on this, they're in the same class do you begin to feel a little conflicted about what the Kims are doing, but it's also inevitable and their only option. Yeah. But you also... Maybe I'll make her my best supporting actress because that's who I declared to you guys in the group chat Mm -hmm. like two weeks ago Mm -hmm. that she was my best supporting actress. Yeah. And then I took it back (gasps) for Also, yes, go ahead. Sorry, I'm going to... I I could keep waxing. The the only thing that I would like to say about this movie... Mm -hmm. Well, two things. Okay. One is... I cannot think of a more audacious movie from this decade is there. When you're watching a movie, you have an idea of where you think it's going. And I can't remember ever being more wrong about where I thought this movie was going. Because in the first half, it's like, okay, they're each one by one taking the place of the people who work in this house. And then the next logical step is that they're going to kill the family and become and take the rich their identities. people. And right. quick, quickly, quickly, there's the, when when they fool the family into calling the care, the elite yes. service, uh-huh. they're asking for family documents, mm-hmm. titles to the house. There's a false flag. Bong wants you to think that. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it's very, and even with this feeling of like, oh, I know exactly where it's going. I'm still just like in awe of actually watching it unfold. And then it becomes a completely different movie. And then I I don't know that I have ever seen a movie that shows us how the rich people in the world pit poor people against each other. Yes. In in literal battle like they literally it's a melee force the poor people to battle to the death to have jobs that has never been done ever in a movie ever and that is one of the greatest things that has ever happened and i want to piggyback (laughs) on top of that i'm just going to add to your point it's not only when it involves proximity to the wealthy Mm -hmm. literally in their home fighting for these jobs it has this sinister creeping influence on all of society is that in the first 10 minutes of the movie, you see, um, I can't remember the name of the lead character, but when they're giving the pizza boxes to mm-hmm. Pizza Express or whatever it is, and, and he said, <laughs> pizza pizza, we'll call it Pizza Express, uh-huh. and he's talking to the woman that they work for, mm-hmm. and he's trying to get her to fire her, their delivery man so mm-hmm. he can have that job. Right. It's the idea of a finite amount of scraps that the poor and the lower classes have to fight over. You cannot win unless you screw over the person who is your ally. You have to right. be an enemy of the person who is your ally. Right. And you have to befriend the person that is your enemy. Yep. Mr. Park is the villain of the year, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel that. All I these, love that he works hot. for like, he's he is hot. hot. 
I like how he works for uh, <laughs> makes this, him more like, evil. this like vague like VR stupid he's a tech, company. He's a technocrat. Yeah. It, which is how, there's also the idea in the film about how the U.S. has poisoned all, yeah. all, all, all you know, um, I, I don't like this term developed countries. I can't yeah. think of the better way you're supposed to say it. The U.S. form of capitalism, and this extends in the American Indian imagery, mm-hmm. but also mm-hmm. in in that that, yeah. that he is a technocrat, which yeah. is what we as a society have learned to value as a progressive form of capitalism. Uh-huh. Yeah, you know, and he's pure evil. Mm-hmm. The the when he takes um, when he and Song Kong Ho go out for the drive, and he says this is not a like the first drive. Uh, Anyway, he's like, yeah. he's like, this isn't a test. Don't worry. Right. But we hear him say that while Bong is fixed on a shot of him holding a cup of coffee in midair. Yeah. Right. The way that he, they, they are constantly lying and dehumanizing you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That ultimately comes down to respect. You think about the respect. guy, the guy in the basement. Respect. The guy in the basement. Right. Yeah. His he he valorizes his oppressor. Mm-hmm. Anyway, great film. And this is why Good. the left never Movie. wins. But Bernie Sanders is going to win the Democratic nomination. I think he's going to. I mean, I think that. <laughs> I, think, I think that Warren could be on an upswing. I, as long as it's either of them, I go to bed happy. But I, I got. It. I, just, I think as of now, Bernie wins the nomination. I got a text this morning about uh, from the Bernie campaign that was like a CBS, a new CBS poll shows us tied in Iowa and winning New Hampshire. It's happening. It's he's, all happening. He's, he's winning New Hampshire. It's all happening, okay. baby. Yeah. Woo! If you, I love uh, if you go to five thirty eight mm. aggregate polls, mm-hmm. uh, state by state, they also have a nice graph that shows. Mm. So you can see Warren's rise earlier mm. in the campaign. You can see Sanders post heart attack mm-hmm. gain that support. Look at the North or the New Hampshire map just to look at Buttigieg, because he's briefly at the top and, and then, then he just slides all the way down. Cute. It's so I nice. love that. Fuck yeah. So nice. The number one film of the year, uh, Ben. It's, I, I just think it's, first of all, I think it's very sweet that for the first time that we've done this podcast, we all have the same number one film mm-hmm. of the year. Oh, how beautiful. Terrence we all have Davies, the same. A Quiet Passion. <laughs> Three years running. <laughs> we we all have the same top two films of the year. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. we do. That's the first time that's happened. Yeah. So. How fun. Number one is the latest film by not only greatest living filmmaker, but the greatest filmmaker of all time by my estimation. I don't know how you two feel about that, but he is mine. And that is Irish ladies. (laughs) (laughs) Anna Paquin. That was so close. That was so so, like (laughs) anti The greatest filmmaker of all time. Irish. And I can see in your face like, I know, I lost it. I lost the thread of where the joke was going to go. Irish ladies. Irish goodbyes. Yes, I like that. It is an Irish goodbye. Played a great show uh, coming out fast this year called Irish Goodbye. Did you guys read the New York Times profile of Scorsese that was floating around uh, no. this week? And it literally is like, I just spend so much of my time like deciding who's going to get what. And <laughs> like, am I going to throw these things away or am I going to leave them to my daughters? Or, oh, God. Uh-huh. Wow. I need to read that piece. He's old. Imagine he says he, feels he a... says he's seen parts of Joker. I thought that's part of this. It's fine. I get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he basically I've just says it. like, uh, yes. I've the done implication it. is that he made this movie I did already. already. Yeah. I love that. Why yeah. waste my time? The idea of which projects. I mean, Scorsese is a guy who's always had like ten. His ten next movies all mapped yeah. out. And I think that is true still today. Yes. The Irishman is a dec- decades long culmination mm-hmm. of the I heard you paint houses saga. Yeah. Um, it makes it here because Netflix is the only person to give him the money. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering, 
how what is it like to be Scorsese and decide which films the acceptance that some films just like some things you want in your life some things you want to see in your life like Will Francesca grow up happen. which ones won't you be there for mm-hmm. that's rough mm-hmm. I think about that a lot and I'm he was very close with Miss Agnes Farda and right. to especially very close in the last few years of her life mm-hmm. and to have watched her continue to work up until the day she died. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure it weighs on him that this, and and any day that he is working on a movie is this is possibly the last day that I am working on anything. I'll draw another comparison between Scorsese and Varda. The fact that he goes to Netflix here, that he did a show on HBO. Mm-hmm. Varda was always working. Yeah. When she couldn't get a movie made, she switched to installations. Mm-hmm. When she couldn't get a movie made, uh, she couldn't raise the money, yeah. she shot on a digital camera. Mm-hmm. You know, like, she she was always creating work and she was doing it in whatever medium she could. Wherever, mm-hmm. where, like, wherever she would, frankly, be allowed to. Yeah. And I think Scorsese has adapted similarly. Yeah. And I think about through, through digital cinema. The purity the, tests that people now. place on film and filmmakers. And I think about one of my favorite filmmakers, one of Scorsese's favorite filmmakers, John Cassavetes. Uh, John Cassavetes would have turned to digital before anyone else. He would have gone to Netflix before anyone oh, yeah. else. Like any way that he could get money to do anything, he would have done it. Mm-hmm. And that's what. And what's what's Irishman about? Oh, the Irishman is the latest epic from Martin Scorsese that is a, a, a about a young whippersnapper <laughs> named, named Frank Sheeran. A little football twink. Um, Reese oh, whippersnapper heard from my cousin that our grandpa and Frank Sheeran were at liberated Dachau together. <laughs> wow. Um and. You know, we see 20-year-old Robert De Niro <laughs> shooting wow. Nazis and raised from the dead. Well, we'll talk about the de-aging technology. Learning to kill in Germany. And then he comes home and he meets another young whippersnapper named Joseph. Joseph R. R. Joseph Robinette Pesci. <laughs> and he's like, you gotta you gotta fix the carburetor or whatever. I don't know car things. I don't even remember what the you line gotta, is. You gotta fix it, kid. Um, best supporting actor he's my of best, the year. He's my best supporting actor IMO. of the year, too. It was very it was hard. Mine. It was very hard for me to pick between Joe and Brad in Once Upon a Time. But mm-hmm. I did go with Joe in the it's end. Hard, it's hard for me to in not include Pacino. Yeah. He's great in this Pesci's movie. Very different performance. After who? Brad Pitt's number one, uh-huh. and then Song Kang Ho. I yeah, those are very fair. And I have him in lead actor, extreme. so I don't have to. Perhaps so I don't have to. Make those that are decision. extremely fair choices. Um, and they become best friends, and De Niro starts doing gangster stuff because Joe Pesci is doing gangster. is one of the gangsters. He runs a family in Philadelphia. And through this, he meets Jimmy Hoffa, played by another whippersnapper named Al Pacino. <laughs> and then the film dances in 90 minutes of pro-union reverie. Ah, it's absolutely glorious. <laughs> and, and also, like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, a great film about friendship between uh, terrible men. All, <laughs> or, or, or you know, conflicted men. Literally, when I watched this movie, I was like, isn't it? So cute that De Niro and Gino just have a sleepover. They just have a sleepover. In their jammies. Oh my God. Leave the door open, and then the end of the film is leave the door, the door open. open. My favorite sequence. Um, <laughs> it, it is uh, 
the whole movie. If you have been clamoring for a Coca Cabana, <laughs> Copa Cabana tracking shot through a retirement home, this Boy, is the Scorsese film for you. It is literally one three and a half hour joke on Scorsese's entire career. Yeah. <laughs> with that long tracking shot through a, a nursing home. Nursing home. Um, it's a movie that tricks you into thinking it's a fun movie. Mm-hmm. And for the first two and a half hours, you Spoilers, were, by the way. You were just going. You were just moving through your life the way that Frank moves through his life. You're not and being introspective in you're not any way. About it. You're yeah. just going. Well, you're moving through your life and you're also moving through history. Yeah. The to the point it. that it almost doesn't make sense. And it I was like, as I was watching it the first time, it was a little like like we're just really moving through events in an insane pace. Mm-hmm. And then you get to the end and you realize, oh, because that's what life is like. You just keep going. And I would like to bring up the the billboard I saw yesterday that almost made me cry. Oh, yeah. That uh, Netflix is campaigning this movie as just a billboard that says simply... You don't know how fast it goes until you get there. And it's just photos of Marty and De Niro throughout their lives together at different ages. And that's what this movie is. You don't realize that you're at the end until you're at the end. And then you're like, fuck. Yeah. Fuck. I don't know. Fuck. I can't imagine why in this moment I gravitate towards films like Zama and The Irishman as my favorite movies of the year. The years that define this moment for Mm -hmm. me and in the culture Movies that are about middlemen, yeah, which we all are, unless mm-hmm. you have power. or Unless you're a billionaire. That's what I mean. Middlemen moving through their lives, making decisions that were already made for you mm-hmm. under the guise that this is my life and I'm going to get what I want if I work hard and I do what my boss tells me. Mm-hmm. And wait a minute, I'm on the brink of death. Everyone hates me. Mm-hmm. I didn't get what I wanted. I didn't make one true decision in my entire life for me. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Yeah. The, and then, then it's die. over. The purgatory of life as driven by an American ideal, which is the proud tradition of the worker, mm-hmm. the idea of being a proud cog in a machine. Yeah. The difference is that the brain of the machine, that's the, I, I, that's, I'm, I can't get this metaphor to continue the way I want it to, but we've been tricked by the people running the machines that they're in the machine too. Yeah. You know, that they're also right. playing a piece in it. Mm-hmm. And I think the Irishman does that deceptively, staggeringly, devastatingly well. And I think the, uh, it is, there are a lot of cruel jokes in this movie. And the cruelest joke is that Frank lives through the end of the movie. Yes. We do not get the release of letting of Frank die. No. He is alive and he is alone. And that's it, baby. <laughs> and that's it. And the thing is, like, it's ever actually everyone around him hasn't died. Yeah. His daughters are living and well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they don't want to fuck with that no. guy. And that's uh It's about the destruction that the white man has wrought on this world mm-hmm. and this country. And when you the movie is playing alongside history, not just to talk about what we were already saying about how quickly time moves past you. It's we, we valorize the idea of the man who hears that his daughter has been abused by the shop owner, mm-hmm. that that man will go avenge his daughter. Mm-hmm. And it is a horrifying moment in the film yeah. when he steps on this man's fingers. Mm-hmm. And it's not done romantically. 
Scorsese's not valorizing it. It's mostly in that wide, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As I think it, entirely. Yeah. And so you see this man's impact on his environment rather than the impact of this action on his ego, yeah. which is also part of it, right? Mm-hmm. So just the fact that we see Frank in World War II. Mm-hmm. He's part of the great generation, or that's World War One, right? But he, but he, he, he is a, a generation. No, the greatest generation is the is generation that so fought he, in World War II. He is a II. member of the greatest generation, mm-hmm. and he's a motherfucking sociopath. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, I, Brandon. Ah, uh, I just want to talk about Robert De Niro's sad. Oh, the sad eyes. He that sequence. So the movies go, 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 okay. and then. Joe Pesci and Robert De Niro talk about murder over, over and then you catch flakes. up to the framing, which is a very interesting device. Right, right. you don't think not... that's going to happen as quickly as it does. Yeah. and then life life moves pretty fast. And then we lose the score, and it's this quiet, painstakingly Agonizing like twenty drawn out sequence where he has to go kill his best friend. Mm-hmm. And watching De Niro's face during that whole sequence is. One of like the most devastating stuff, and he's mm-hmm. carrying out a decision that his so-called friend made for him. Mm-hmm. And when Pesci contextualized it later, oh, uh, that is that. Do you want to talk about? No, that? No, I just well, you can. It I mean, it doesn't matter. But that is, is, I think that is the moment of the year for me. Where what when the Frank and Russell, Russell. are now in prison at the end of Russell's life, mm. and they're. They are dipping bread into oh. the good grape juice because yep. they used to dip it into the wine. Yep. And Russell tells Frank, I chose us over him. And I'm going to cry. <laughs> <laughs> and De Niro didn't get to choose that himself. It's so sad. It's the, it's it the makes me so sad. Yeah. <laughs> It's a very sad movie. And then yeah, and, and then shortly after, <laughs> Russell tells Frank, don't laugh, but I'm going to church. Mm-hmm. He's in a wheelchair. He gets pushed away. <laughs> we see him hoisted up a ramp. Uh-huh. And then he goes to hell. And then he dies. <laughs> and then he dies. That 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 shuffling of the mortal coil element mm-hmm. is a brilliant visual um, representation. Mm-hmm. And it's it's the the I chose us over him is also so hard to swallow because that's such a beautiful thing that Russell is presenting De Niro, but De Niro knows it was not his consensual. Heart, I I don't want that, and it's so hard. Yeah. Um, speaking of things that I've never seen in a movie before yeah. ever is the twenty one year old Joe Pesci. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's that, but. Someone tweeted that uh, old Joe Pesci looks like Baby Yoda, and I think <laughs> I've never, I haven't stopped thinking about it since I saw the tweet. That's so good. But uh, is the 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 title cards of people dying? Oh, my that favorite. I you, you me you made the call smart call that how Varda esque that moment. It is. is how playful it is. It's so playful, and it's so the first time it happens is Harvey Keitel because. It, it happens to every major character that we don't see die in the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's and then there's the brilliant joke of, well-liked by everyone, died of natural causes. <laughs> I was causes. actually, so I'm thinking about changing my Twitter name to Daniel Crook, well-liked by all, died of natural causes. That would be very funny. <laughs> Do uh, it now. It's, it's, it is the first indication into the movie that 
this movie is going to kill you. (laughs) This movie literally is going to kill you and everyone in it that nothing happens. We're watching all of this fun gangster stuff and they all died and so will Violently. Violently. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It all caught up to them. Brutal. But it doesn't catch up to Frank, Mm -hmm. which is the most devastating (laughs) blow of all. That's the cruelest joke of all. It is. Um, I want to just briefly talk about the de-aging technology. Yeah. Which is that... I'll share how I view it. The structure or the the device of the film is Frank talking to a camera, recollecting mm-hmm. his life. These are this is this is the memory of an old evil man. Mm-hmm. I think there's something very poignant about the uncanny valley yeah. in this film and why it was so important to use the de-aging technology to not glamorize it all the way. Yeah. But that also that everyone this brings me back to little woman, everyone is an old man in uh-huh. a young man's body. Or just an old person in a young person's body. If when you are when we are we're all about thirty, mm-hmm. we're also seventy five right now. Mm-hmm. Like th- this is the body. Mm-hmm. We are going to move through time in our lives in this. And yes, our skin falls off and we regenerate. Mm-hmm. But the organs in your body, the bones in your body, these are the ones that are going to carry You're you. Stuck with them all the way mm-hmm. to the end. And isn't and it how you remember things? That's the other piece. Who of it. you are right now is the person in the memory. Exactly. That's the other. Which I'm sort of mixing my points, but oh. the way I started that, that's where I was going. Yeah. Towards. Like when we think but about high school, we view it like we, we view ourselves. Like, we right look now. like ourselves. Exactly. Yeah. And then you look at real high school, but you think about like, yourself with a backpack on. Yes. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. It's very weird. Yes. So yeah, yeah the de aging like technology. Ten fifteen. <laughs> Good show. Good show. But uh, it's um, I think the de aging is one of the strongest elements of it, and it's sad to me that we live in a culture where people demand a type of perfection rather than yeah. interpreting what mm-hmm. you've got. Um, I agree. And yes, well, it is a little yeah. weird in like the World War II moment because he's supposed to be it so should be. young. It should be when you see Joe Pesci tell him to change that car. That is an old fucking man mm-hmm. shuffling in his <laughs> nightgown <laughs> to the front of the car. Uh, what a it, film! It, I mean, it's what a is, zombified what, version what, of themselves. What, yes. what would you? What would people prefer to recast, recast Joe Absolutely Pesci? Absolutely not. Not the point. Absolutely not. I don't want to see Miles Teller as Joe Pesci. Ew, barf. So, but it's and, my problem with great film interstellar is that we have to recast Jessica Chastain. You're like, too much Timothy Chalamet. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that's the problem. Um, One more thing about Joe Pesci. Oh, of all of the, like, long-awaited returns to film, this has got to be one of the greats. Uh And again, I love Dyer. I love Star Image. What is Pesci known for? It is a sick, wisecracking sense of humor Mm -hmm. intermingled with violence. Yeah. And authority. And I love that in this film, the humor of Pesci is there. The wisecracking mm-hmm. nature is there. The authority is there. But it's sad. Yes. And it's impotent. Like when he keeps trying to tell the daughter Peggy jokes and she at won't the bowling have it. alley. Yeah. And at Christmas, mm-hmm. it's the, the joke is that he's impotent, mm-hmm. even though he's in a position of authority. Yeah. Not that his dick is so hard yeah. <laughs> in that moment. Yeah. With the shine box, mm-hmm. you know? So that's another thing I love about the Pesci performance. And that speaks to Pesci as a performer. That's yeah. a choice. Mm-hmm. That's a fucking choice. Mm-hmm. I think I hope he wins a second Oscar. I think we as a culture have undervalued Joe Pesci. He there becomes, have been some great pieces on He becomes just Goodfellas and just Home Alone and to just so Raging, many people. Well, yeah, not yeah. even just Raging Bull. That's still only to some people. But yeah, yeah. Home Alone and Goodfellas. And, like, and, uh, and my cousin Vinny. It's absolutely insane that in the year 1990, Joe Pesci was the biggest box office star in the world. You love to see it. 
You love to see it. Let's just think about. Let's just reflect on how good things were in the George H. W. Bush presidency. <laughs> <laughs> how much was milk again? What? Not that oh, much. Oh, right. Um, we could talk about this forever, but just briefly, mm-hmm. words on Pacino, maybe, which I think is his best performance in, in quite long, decades. In in the New York since, Times since Roy profile, Cohn, I think his best performance since Roy Cohn. Probably in the New York Times profile, he talked about. It was so refreshing working with Scorsese, who he had never worked with before, but he was like... It's wild to think he never worked with him. But he was like, it's been a long time since a director gave me notes. Like, <laughs> it's been a long time that it was like, oh, we're in this together. Yeah. And we're trying to build something Ultimately, here. Ultimately, I'm thankful that he didn't make me look like a great ass! <laughs> <laughs> he, oh, that's... Because I guess if he's getting cast in this other crap, the director's yeah. probably afraid to yeah, talk to him. Yeah, he's out fucking Pacino. Yeah, you're and not going like, to say a word. Scorsese, he makes a point of like, one time we were shooting and Scorsese pops his head out of the the, the monitor ow, tent. Ow. And take it, take it down he doesn't say anything. <laughs> he just, he looked at me like, what the fuck are you doing? And <gasps> I got it. Really? <laughs> and so I did something else. <laughs> wow. How yeah. funny are the scenes of Hoffa yelling in his little office. Uh, those are so, so good. The scene where it just seems like he clearly just lost the line and they kept it in you're the air. Your fucking father. <laughs> your fucking <laughs> that scene, I think it's a scene where Frank walks out and then uh, Papa goes and he's like, I wasn't talking to you. Yes. That oh, was you good have too. to make that, that clear. Good. Yeah. That was a, that was so cute. Their friendship is so beautiful. He's just so cute. In it's the end. so cute. It's, cute. it's, it's a, a cute great film. hangout film just it like is. once it's upon a, a time. It's one of the most beautiful love triangle movies I've ever seen. Yes. Yeah. The Despicable Man. Mm. Mm. Hot. Oh, oh my good. God. That just I love how Pacino, when he's lost all the chips, mm-hmm. and the, the, this is the last 30 minutes of that performance, mm-hmm. how he is delusional and how he still thinks he's running the table. Yeah. It's so sad and it's a great... It's it, it reminds me a little bit of Succession, although that's not quite <sighs> where they go with uh, with Logan. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's a man... Men with power will never give it up mm-hmm. um, without being pushed out of the picture. Yeah. And he has no cards and no chips when he is at the uh, the Frank Sheeran Memorial yeah. or whatever. And when 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 Frank tells him, like, basically, like, they're going to kill you. Uh-huh. He's trying to warn his friend. He's trying to, he's playing a both sides. The wonderful dynamic in the film is Russell telling Frank... Mm-hmm. Make sure she make sure he knows this because otherwise we're gonna have to kill him. Yeah, and he's telling Hoffa that it's not coming from Russell. Like he's hearing whispers or whatever. How he's 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 misses doubt firing between Russell mm-hmm. and Hoffa and telling them different pieces of information and acting as if there's this third member, this third person who yeah. is kind of him, who's brokering this peace agreement. And Russell obviously is the one with the power. He doesn't have to capitulate, but Hoffa just can't do it. Yeah, it's devastating. Mm-hmm. As I was watching. And a great exploration of last night. Raging sun, raging sky. So everyone, jealous, everyone, it. watch it now yeah. on Criterion Channel, really which is a largely dialogueless movie. I, I was thinking about if I had Twitter, I would tweet. This is such poor representation for gays. There is no, they don't speak. <laughs> None of them say anything. Anna Paquin. <laughs> I don't want to get started. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll just say she, she gives a great performance, and she doesn't need to say more words. Thank no, you. it's. It is an intentional choice that she's you're written waiting, this way. I'm so, but to put it in the crassest terms, you're waiting for the beat to drop. It's like a great like trap song or something. Like it's it, it is the same refrain repeated again and again and yeah. again and again. It's like come on, come on, come on, fucking do it. Yeah. Scorsese. Like, Why didn't you call Angela? Mentions <laughs> it. 
in the uh, in this New York Times profile, Scorsese is like, well, yeah, that's what you expect, that she's going to yell at her father and you're going to feel good and it'll be shallow. Mm-hmm. He literally calls it that would be the shallow choice it to make. Yep. Yeah, to get that cathartic release Ult- of her yelling ultimately, at him. Ultimately, Anna Paquin is the most powerful character in the film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Partly whether or not you want to view it through a God lens. So you can view this as, you know, God, you can view it right. as just power in the universe whatever but she she is the she is the eyes of god yeah, in the film the eyes the eyes of judgment the mm-hmm. eye the eyes of consequence the eye of morality yeah you know and that doesn't make her a cipher <laughs> yeah because neither actress is playing her as a cipher it, yeah. the idea that you can't build a fully bodied character unless you're moving your lips it's yeah. insulting yeah to both actors yes it's insulting i agree i think that's where we should leave it are we gonna do <laughs> Uh, yeah, let's honorable mentions. Yeah, yes. I am just going to say Why don't I read the one list? thing because I don't think uh, either of you have seen the movie. Yeah, and I'm going to spoil it, but it's a documentary, so okay. But um, my honorable mention is Leaving Neverland, which is another movie that I think people just relegated to TV, even though it like literally blew the, rid- the lid off Sundance last year. Yeah, and it was shown as a single feature film. Mm-hmm. I, and I think a lot of people I saw like writing it off as a Talking Heads movie, and I think if if there I don't know what is a better use of film than to let these men tell their stories of how Michael Jackson allegedly abused them, and I don't know that there is a better use for a movie to see the look in their eyes as they are now zombies living in the world because of this experience that they had, and as a point of what cinema can do james safechuck one of these men tells a story early in the movie that one of the times that he met michael early on that michael was like you can have anything in my house anything and it's yours and it's my gift to you and he chose the thriller jacket and james safechuck had the thriller jacket his entire life and at the end of this movie, the last shot of this movie is they burn the thriller jacket. Wow. And that is what movies are for. And that's all I have to say about that. Wow. I will give my honorable mention, which is highly thematically related to what you said, which is another documentary, which is Wad Al-Khatib's For Sama, mm-hmm. which I also think is being relegated to a certain category, which is the seen it already, can't stand to stomach it. Mm. Syria movie, because mm-hmm. there's always a Syria movie every year, which is a highly disrespectful uh, way to tag a film. Mm-hmm. For Sama is also an argument for the camera. It is a staggering, heartbreaking, inspirational balancing act between the light and the dark in life, and not in a hackneyed or sappy or you know, um, you know, sort of you know, crass way. It's it's basically the director Wada Khatib shooting she she is she's a video journalist, she's documenting what's going on in Aleppo from the inside and from the vantage point of this uh makeshift hospital that a group of Syrians are running. Um and this is home video footage of a family and a community trying to Keep the ca- keep their cause alive, keep their hope alive in the face of evil, in the form of bombs that are constantly raining down mm-hmm. on the city. And it's the camera and the love that she has for her country, for her family, for her daughter, for her friends and family, for the cause, um, 
that is the answer to, yeah. to finding the light in the dark. And the last shot is very powerful, and I won't say exactly what it is, but it is similar to being an expression of the way that cinema is what is one way, anyway, that we can change the world. Mm-hmm. Incredible film. Incredible, incredible, incredible film. I need to see it. Yeah, same. We have links. We, do. we have the links. It's also a good... like like. It I, became one that I just didn't want to watch for the purpose of list making, you know? And yeah. I was just like, I will just wait until yeah, like, that fervor ends in my heart. Yeah. It's a beautifully edited movie, and, and like A Hidden Life, takes its time to set up a community, a mm-hmm. city, a world that is piece by piece taken away. Yeah. Uh, incredible film. Mm-hmm. So that's my honorable mention. Uh, mine is... Much different in tone. It should be Honeyland to keep it in the theme. Yeah. But it's not. It's Hustlers. Yeah. Because Hustlers was number 11 on my list. So I can't not say it. I think it it ended up at number 26 on mine. 26 on mine, too. So it it was so close, like being counted toward the communal list. Right. Um, I think, I mean, apart from just being a wildly, euphorically entertaining movie. Yeah. It's also a, like a great look at the financial crisis. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. it is smart. And this movie isn't getting enough credit for it's better than The Big Short. Like this is Definitely. This is like a great movie about and the financial of crisis. And filmic ideas like S- viewing so that crisis much of what Lorraine Scafaria does can only happen in a movie. Yeah. Like the way that the uh, the police tapes are the actual soundtrack of the moments of that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that the, mm-hmm. the 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 sting and moment. when the sound cuts out yeah. when Constance Wu turns off the recorder. Uh-huh. Moments yeah. like that, very filmic and like yeah. just viewing, like using this story as like the lens to mm-hmm. view just America. Mm-hmm. I love it's very very smart. I love the repetition and the rhythms of this film mm-hmm. of the heist. She the way that Lorraine Scafaria establishes rules in this universe. Mm-hmm. It's it's like in um, Gus Van Sant's Drugstore Cowboy when you see the hat on the bed, you know exactly I've never what's seen that. good movie. I've you know exactly what's going it. on. Just like in this film, you realize when there's one piece out of place in there, and it's been a while since I've seen it, and I went to see it at a theater where I got wine drunk, so you'll forgive Hell me for yeah, not baby. having the exact specificity of it. But we set up how these heists, for lack of a better word, these scams work. Mm-hmm. And so when when they begin to bring in new team members who aren't as polished it and professional, falling apart. you can see exactly where the cracks start to build. But I also love the world building in the first act of this film. You think that's the world that we're going to follow. Yeah. Completely different set of rules, different cast of characters, and you know it inside and out. Cardi B does an incredible job in this film. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Briefly in it, has one of the most indelible characters in the mm-hmm. thing. And um, as we've talked about privately, I know that I think, uh, I know Ben doesn't agree and I'm not trying to start something, but <laughs> hey. the the, <laughs> the extended Christmas time sequence, oh. the dinner in this movie... I think if you Hustlers wanna, is a Christmas if you, movie. No, but if you want to talk about like the female gaze, it's not just about where you put the camera. It's also about structure. And in a Goodfellas type movie, or if this movie was about men, the film celebrating the work that they've done so far would not be everyone sitting around the table talking to grandma and loving each other yeah. and like deciding to dance. And I'm not trying to say that that's that that femininity is about dancing. I'm saying that that is a distinct difference in the film than if it were a bunch of guys doing this. That right, that yeah. is not the apex. That is not the, the the highest high of the rise and fall of the story. Yeah, I, it, it ultimately it's about community in that way. 
Love that film. We've talked about Good Jennifer movie. Lopez in this movie, but she is astonishing. Like, mm-hmm. this is her best, like, finally a script worthy of her talent. This is like... Well, out of sight. Star. Oh, yeah, no, finally. Aside, finally. aside yeah. from this out is of like sense, st- out of a sight. A real star turn that you ben, love to see it. Ben, you love to see it. Ben wrote a great it. piece on Jennifer Lopez. I did. You did. Uh, at hypeable.com Make sure to check it on out. out of sight. And her, the fact that she has always been a better actor than f- musician. Hours. I figured we would. Um, so do we want to? Do, do we want to? I gotta get to the globe. Yeah, I, gotta, I gotta get to the globe. I gotta get on the carpet. Why don't I read? I was gonna say let's give our acting nominees, but we don't have time for that. Mm. Why don't I read twenty through one, and then we will all quickly, with no commentary, give our individual lists. Oh, sure. Why don't we do those yeah. first, and then I'll, I'll we'll finish it by giving our communal list. What? What are we doing? Uh, read your individual with list. no commentary. Just, that's that's just, more for me. Just rattle no it off. Uh, so much to do. <laughs> Hold on, I'm more or less. Are we doing our acting nominees? No, I, we don't have time. We We're don't have time. Just okay. My top twenty. Twenty. I have 25. Okay. Number one, The Irishman. Number two, Parasite. Number three, this is Ben. Number three, High Life. Hey, Ben. <laughs> Number four, The Image Book. Number five, A Hidden Life. Number six, Pain and Glory. Number seven, Us. Number eight, Homecoming. Number nine, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Number 10, Serenity. <laughs> Not a movie. $100 million. Okay. Cash. I have to make one quick No, aside. we didn't talk about Serenity. We got to talk about Serenity. <laughs> It is. I I did this as a bit, putting a number ten. But when I look at the rest of my list, I'm like, that is where it deserves to go. Yes. Is that is not a movie that I look back on and think, oh, what a piece of shit. I think that is the most fun I've ever had in a movie theater. Audacious. <laughs> number. I am handing off the rod and reel. Oh, the he rod. He has given consent. Uh, what a good movie. Number eleven. Ashes. Purest shite. Number 12. Purest shite. Sorry, yeah. Angel. Number nice. 13. Leaving Neverland. Number 14. Transit. Number 15. Her small. Number 16. Low Women. Number 17. The Lighthouse. The Farting. Number <laughs> 18. Number 18. Varda by yes. Number 19. Combat Obscura. Very excited to go to war. Number 20. <laughs> synonyms. Number 21. Atlantique. Hot movie. Hot ass movie. Synonyms. Synonyms. synonyms? I I uh, can't talk about uh, that. He's too hot. He is it's too hot. It's not just he's the dick. He's too hot. So I only got to watch it's the... the body. It's the it's the it, hair, body, face. So I only got to watch the first 30 minutes of this because I stupidly started it on Christmas Eve mm. before we had to cook, so I have to finish the film. It is the scene of him, the, the big dick guy, uh-huh. and the twink who takes him in, mm-hmm. and they are listening to music on those headphones. Mm. I that is the horniest scene of the year. Cinema. Oh yeah, my blood was uh, pumping. And then he loses all of his clothes because of his. He's lost his identity as an Israeli. What a film! Number twenty one. What a film! He is literally reborn in the bathtub. Can what you believe? <laughs> I would like to see it again. <laughs> number twenty two, Hotel by the River. Number twenty three, Uncut Gems. Number twenty four, Marriage Story. Number twenty five, Dark Water. Good one. Shall I run down mine? All right. Let it rip. No, I'm going to do it in backwards order. Oh, okay. Right. You did it the wrong way. So, 25, Hotel by the River. 24, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. 23, Ashes Purest White. 22, The Beach Bum. 21, Peterloo. Number 20, The Lighthouse. 19, Marriage Story. 18, The Farewell. Peterloo. Peterloo. <laughs> Sorry, no. I'm just like... <laughs> Peterloo. Let's hear what he has to say. We, uh, we did an episode on Peterloo. Let's hear what he has to say. Let's see what he has to say. Sorry. I just like... Let's see what he has to say. not yell. Peterloo. 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 Me and my countrymen. Let's see what he has to say. 
18, The Farewell. 17, Transit. 16, Dad Dastra. 15, Honeyland. Oh, 14, Homecoming. 13, Pain and Glory. 12, Forsama. 11, Dark Waters. 10, Uncut Gems. 9, High Life. 8, Us. 7, Atlantics. 6, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. 5, Her Smell. 4, The Souvenir. 3, Little Women. 2, Parasite. 1, Irish Ladies. Mm. Irish I think Ad Astra ladies. is the movie that like was close. I'm was, actually surprised that's not on our list. It it fell to 26. Hustlers is 27 as I'm looking mm. at my list. So mm. Dad Astra almost it, made it. If is if it on I, your list? It's not on your list. If it, if I had not seen A Hidden Life, it probably would have made our top 20 overall. Um, well, you know what? If I had finished A Hidden Life, then that might have kicked something else off because A true. Hidden Life would have. What gone number up. was Dad Astra at for you? 26. Oh oh oh. Hustlers is my 26. <gasps> Okay, number 25, Jenny Slate Stage Fright. Hell yeah. Woo. Thank you. It is cinema. Julian Robespierre, cinema. Cinema. Cinema maker. I should have put my cinema. favorite shapes on my list. Should have. Should have cut it, would have. 24, Dark Waters. 23, Ass is pure as shite. It would have shot up to probably up the teens as of today. Mm. 22, Climax. 21, I Lost My Body. Now on Netflix, watch it. It's very good. 20, Under the Server Lake. Trash. Mm. Thank you. <laughs> oh wait, is that the only movie that like is hated by? Because yeah, most. Two. Oh wait, hold on. Let me because I know what people are thinking. Sorry, misunderstood and yet still trash. I think under the surface, like, that is, is the liked only... by one person and hated by hate, the other two. Hated by the other two. I forgot you hated it. I didn't hate it. Yeah. but you don't like I it. I don't like it. <laughs> I Bad don't movie. like it. Doesn't do it. it doesn't do any of the things you guys think it does. <laughs> oh, that's so interesting. Yeah, that is the one. <laughs> oh no, no, no! Hold on, hold on. It is trying to do the things you guys are giving it credit for, and it is failing at mm. it. So that's the only movie on the list that... Well, you guys don't like The Beach Bum. I like it fine. I'm not, like, mad it's on there. But Ben really doesn't I like don't. The Beach Bum. Oh, right. So it's okay. the same dynamic. Under the mm. Server Like and Beach Bum are the two Most outsiders. Yeah. Mm. Okay, 19 Transit, 18 Dad Astra, 17 High Life. <gasps> that really fell. It was, like, oh. number two in April. 16 Honeyland. Well, it was April. 15 Knife and Heart. What yes. a film. What a picture. Young Four, Gonzalez representation. 14 Portrait of a Lady on Fire. 13. Oh, here's another one, though. the only person who put yeah. Portrait of a Lady on Fire. 13 Long Day's Journey into Night, which mm. Ben doesn't like. I also and I haven't like seen. That. 12 Pain and Glory. 11 Hustlers. 10 Homecoming. 9 Marriage Story. <gasps> 8 Her Smell. 7 Us. 6 Farewell. 5 Book Fart. And then my top four align with. The group's top four. Uh, <gasps> four Little Women, Three Once Upon a Time, Two Parasite, One Irish Ladies. Irish, Irish Ladies! And, and then number double one, Aeronauts. Aeronauts. Uh, the Aeronauts are It's flying one. so high in the sky that oh, it's above one. Air. It's literally above one on the list. Mm. Okay, I'm going to quickly, because I hate, we've been all been talking numbers. This is our list, finally. This is Movies IMOs. 20 films of 2019. It is also the last list we will ever compile. We love each other so much and we love you too. Number 20, Dark Waters. 19, Uncut Gems. 18, Ass is Pure as Shite. 17, Transit. 16, Book Fart. 15, A Hidden Life. 14, Marriage Story. 13, Atlantique. 11 is a tie of The Image Book and The Souvenir. 10, Lula Wong's The Farewell. 9, Beyonce's Homecoming. 8, Pedro Almodovar's Pain and Glory. 7, Alex Ross Perry's Her Smell. 6, Claire Denise High Life. 5, Jordan Peele's Us. Four, Greta Gerwig's Little Women. Three, Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Two, Bong Joon-ho's Parasite. And the number one film of 2019 is Martin Scorsese's Irish Ladies. Well, there you have it. 
You know, it's been a pleasure. The move would be it's been a pleasure like, playing with you. See you later, boys. <laughs> it's been a pleasure. I'm doing the Titanic. We should. It's been, it's been a pleasure. It's been a oh, pleasure of my life. my life. We could pull an Irish goodbye, ladies, and just turn off the Shut microphones off. right here. Shut her off. But um, thank you very much for listening to five more hours of movies IMO. Yeah. We hope that you gleaned something from it in honor of Agnes Varda. Mm-hmm. This has been great. I Thanks think, for listening to us for two and a half years. Re, yeah, this is really How this beautiful. is a real goodbye. And what a lovely response we got when we said that we were doing another episode. I that was really nice. I can't that was nice. tell you how much I appreciated it and we appreciated mm-hmm. it. That was lovely. And, it was really nice. And yeah. I'm just sad that I have other goals in my life. I know. <laughs> like, same. Uh, rip. I have to make a movie this year. Like, it's... I'm making a feature film this year, I think, everyone. Yes. Follow follow me on Instagram, Instagram. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> on Instagram, I, I guess. I don't even know what my at is, but my name is Ben Envy. <laughs> well, I was going to say, I think it would be so beautiful if we didn't give our Twitter ads this you, time around. Yeah. Now that, now that we've, we're offline. Because we've all graduated we're from We started online. this five-hour endeavor by Zing. swearing off swearing the Swearing off online. Yeah. So um, my name's Daniel Crook. You can follow me at film festivals where oh. I'm doing Q&As. And um, throwing it to this Irish lady. (laughs) Um, I'm Brandon Kirby. You can find me nowhere. Wow. (laughs) Brandon, you write for (laughs) Hypable.com. Oh, I thought we were doing a bit. Oh. Oh, sure. But you do write for Hypable.com. I do write for Hypable.com. Okay, I'm on Coming to a classroom near you. Oh, no. Brandon Julius Kirby. (laughs) Uh I'll say my Twitter, BK Kirby. Great. Movies IMO's Twitter is Movies IMO. We're, we still exist. We're also on Instagram. Yep. Uh, and Facebook. Yep. We are on all And of we the have devices. an email address. <laughs> Maybe is, we'll do something with those one day. What We're, is the email Probably address? won't be this. I think it's moviesimopod at gmail.com. Drop us a line. Say Let hi. Let us know. We are still Anything. intermittently checking the Twitter account or retweeting. No, we are things. we are on there. We are we're we not, are on there. We are not going away. <laughs> we are not going to let this go. We are not going to let this go. No. Us to movies, I am. Mm. We're back in six months okay. for our. I don't know. This is the last our one. Our grand jubilee. And, and again, you are. <laughs> oh, I'm Ben MB. I also write for Hypable.com, and it's a. Uh, it is a New Year's resolution to start writing more at my the website that I pay for every year that I don't write for. <laughs> and <laughs> a, a worthy it, goal. That is called flexoflight.com. Sign up for the newsletter. <laughs> I'll sign up for the newsletter. Oh, great. I'm and then embarrassed I'm not already on the newsletter. And I then, I might have and then you'll get up. the articles emailed directly to you. And that's the way I like it. How I great. think that's beautiful. I'd like a printout delivered in my snail mail. Oh, how great. So, um... We all think Carol is the best film of the decade. Ben thinks Twin Peaks is yeah. the film of the decade. I think and... Twin Peaks is followed by Social Network. Sorry. Oh, oh wow. Carol. Yikes. I think Carol is the, the best feature film. Mm-hmm. Short form feature film of the decade. Short form. Give me a break. <laughs> <laughs> and um, uh, well, I don't know. See, um, see you in heaven. <laughs> well. <laughs> or hell. Yeah. <laughs> Irish see you ladies. See you in the aeronauts <laughs> balloon. To, to, I, I will say to, to <laughs> See to, you in the cat's balloon, the to, heaven liner. To What's paraphrase a, the heavy side layer, to paraphrase a spoken line by Anna Paquin, see you in hell! <laughs> Dad! Uh. Bye. The winner is Jane Fonda. Thank you. Thank you very much, members of the Academy, and thank all of you who applauded. 
There's a great deal to say, and I'm not going to say it tonight. I would just like to really thank you very much.